warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 218. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this culture leftovers. Ladies and gentlemen. The leftovers are tonight's entertainment. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. Wow. That was a very NPR intro there for you, Jake. That was, <laughs> yeah. wow. You sound just ready to go. Yeah, I was trying to do it real professional this time for my tape. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, man. That sounded really, I don't know, PBS-y, you know? <laughs> yeah, do you like it? Not, not a fan, really. It kind of like, like there was like, I had like this energy level that I was kind of going for. And then like you were like that, uh, the vacuum seal. You sucked all the air out of the room. It, <laughs> no, it was real. I, I was getting ready for you like to give like a eulogy or something. It, it sounded depressing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll work on it. Workshop. Oh yeah, definitely need to work on it. Yeah, pick it up a little bit because yeah, that was. I don't know. It was. <laughs> and uh, I never. I always feel a little bit flummoxed when it comes time to say, "And we're the leftovers." I don't really have a routine. No, it was the. I, I am Jake too. Like you weren't even happy about your name. You know, like. <laughs> you know? I'm not a big fan of my name. Well, I, yeah, we that well the point came across. I mean, no argument there. I, I definitely can tell. Hey, we're also joined by Mr. Dan West. Straight out of England and into your ear pussies. He's a motherfucking Jedi. It's Dan West. All right, Dan West. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Bono Stacy. Yeah, go. I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Now that's see, that's how you introduce yourself. God damn it. <laughs> no seriously jake just like in the you know no spoilers for the last jedi but you need to embrace your failures you know yeah yeah i'm good i learned from my mistakes yeah hey jake that yeah, shit. i had a bumper made for you i haven't played it in like ages you want me to play it right now you won't be able to hear it but everybody else will you go for i it. forgot how it went here it goes when he's not collecting ball heads and baby toys, he's off doing some other stupid shit. It's Leftover Jake. 
All right, there we go. I played it. Yeah. I couldn't hear it, but I, I assume I'm fucking a Funko Pop. It, it's something to do with Funko Pop stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then you're off doing some other stupid shit. I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it that's went. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we do have some iTunes reviews. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys have anything at the top of the show that you wanted to talk about before we jump in? Yeah. Oh. And- Nothing I can think of. Yeah, we've already covered your lack of enthusiasm, Jake, so might as well move on. You waved the iTunes review carrot in front of my face, and you asked me (laughs) if I want to talk about something else. (laughs) It's your favorite part of the show. Oh, okay. All right, iTunes reviews, here we go. It is now time for the iTunes reviews. Where are they? Jesus, I can't find nothing. Can't find nothing in this place. There it is. (laughs) It's one star All right, uh, first iTunes review comes from Nalavaris3004, and it's titled, Had a Blast. And uh, it goes on to say, <laughs> was referred to this podcast. Had a lot of fun listening to you. Keep it up. <laughs> like, he's done, though. You know? <laughs> it's, that's what it sounds like, right? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one and done. One and done, I'm out. I got the gist of it. Was it a five-star? Keep it up, guys. Yeah, five stars. Keep it up, guys. I don't know how you're going to do in the future, how this thing's going to pan out, but I had my fun that episode. I'm out. <laughs> Straight and to the point. Had a blast. I'm, go- I'm good with that. Had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if his friend that, that referred him, if he ever followed up. Hey, how'd it go? Yeah, it went well. Had a blast. All right, good. Good to hear. Five stars. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> probably won't be returning, but yeah, I had a blast for the times that I had with them. So anyway, uh, this next one comes from My Silver Lining, and um, it's titled Good at Talking, and um, this is a five-star. And I actually posted this one on the Leftover Army page this week because I couldn't hold it in because it, uh, I don't know, uh, you don't get many iTunes reviews like this. Most of them are like Nalavaris 3004 and they're just like, hey, had a lot of fun or what? I don't know. So Good times. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that, that talking thing you guys do every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one comes from My Silver Lining and uh, it's titled Good Talking and it goes on to say, this is where I get all in my own head and neurotic about coming up with witty wordplay and just right, the right level of ironic and funny, yet relatable references to craft a proper review worthy of you fellas' time and efforts. Nah, too much pressure. And anyways, I'm laying in a hospital bed with the surprise Christmas, Christmas heart failure Santa brought getting fitted for a transplant. Your podcasts were dope as fudge before when I was healthy but have truly been a special treat to look forward to here lately when there ain't been a whole lot of reasons for looking forward at all. So thanks a ton, guys, for all the time and work you put into getting this good stuff out there on the regular. It's really a special thing that you're doing. So I don't know, man, this stuff. What a great review. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like Jake, like, you know, sometimes we just get on here and, you know, I'm like saying, I'm saying shit like this episode sucks, which I'll be honest with you. When I say that, I am not talking about you per se or the guests that we have on. I'm basically critiquing myself 
<laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And that's when I say the episode sucks. But to hear that, you know, somebody's like, I, like I had surgery on my foot and I feel like such a cunt for being a crybaby about it when we've got this listener here who is waiting for a heart transplant operation. And it's like, and we're, you know, it's not, we're, we're helping. We're just listening to us uh, is helping. And I don't know in the, in the scheme of doing this, man, it's, that means a lot to me. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Brian. I, this shit, it really does blow my mind. I mean, this is something that we just decided to do for fun and to think it yeah. is helping someone so much. It's just like, oof. Yeah. It, it really makes me emotional. It almost like, like, wow, it's like, a, we got to do this, you know? It gives yeah. us more stamina. Yeah. To That's, keep at it. You're absolutely right. Like, I think, like, you know, like last week, the Iceman saying, ah, fuck you, grow some balls, you pussy. <laughs> and, and then, and then I get this, and it's like that. It, this like totally negates that. You know what I mean? It's like for the for like every like one person that says, "Hey, grow some balls, you fucking pussy." I've got nine other people saying, "Your balls are just fine, Brian." Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Even if we are terrible and do terrible shows, yeah, if if we're doing this one good thing, and I know that there's more than one occurrence of this that's happened. It's just like, oh yeah, it's one oh, of the yeah. beauties that have has, have come with this experience. It's yeah. been amazing. Absolutely, you know, it, 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 you know, Dan, you're a big part of the show too. So you know, people, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you are you son of a bitch. It, like it, like even even in the like the background stuff, you know, I'm talking. You're not you're not on every episode, but you're always involved in one way or another. So. Yeah, I know. I've got a disease. Yeah. <laughs> we discussed that last time. I would end up in hospital a hell of a lot less if I wasn't part of this. Yeah, exactly. You'd be healthy, man. <laughs> you'd be 100% healthy. You'd have a clean bill of health. And you'd probably live to be like 98 years old. You'd be fucking, you'd be looking like Yoda and shit, you know? <laughs> but you keep listening to us, man. You're going to expire yeah. in about two years. <laughs> oh god but yeah you know i just sort of thanks very much for that man but you know i wanted to say as well for my silver lining you know obviously everyone in the army and you know you guys as well obviously we wish you the best and we hope the transplant goes well and you have a a safe and quick recovery oh man yeah Yeah, yeah, it's amazing keep us updated yes definitely so I just got a text from my mom. No, but thank you so much. Keep us updated and uh, feel free to join the Leftover Army page. Um, I'm sure that there's some people that would like to keep in contact with you or get in contact with you and uh, send you some well wishes and welcome to you. And it's a, it's a Facebook page. It's a, what is it, the Leftover Army? What is it called? What the fuck's it called, Dan? Yeah, it's just the Leftover Army. It's just a group and you just search it and yeah. uh, and ask to be accepted. And if you tell us it's you, then uh, we'll just accept you. Just be like, hey, yeah, it's- I, I'm the person with the bad heart. Yeah. Let me in. And now I'm going to get 18 different requests from people with bad hearts now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you said you'd accept us immediately. Yeah. When I when I got accepted the page, I'm like, I'm the guy with no balls. Yeah. And I'm also and think, a huge pussy. So can I get – sorry, Jake, go ahead. I think we've done a uh, real good job on that page. And, you know, it's the closest thing you're going to get to an extension of this podcast and this community – and Dan, we've done a pretty good job weeding out the dicks. Yeah, yeah, not you know, it's uh, uh Dan's like I'm, I'm not touching that one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching that. It's it's a tough job, but someone has to do it. But yeah. to be honest, like dicks make it easy for us, ready, don't they? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll claim it. 
I got rid of all the dicks myself then. My mom just sent me a text. She's like, if you want a pizza one night, just tell me. <laughs> I can order you a pizza and have it delivered and pay for it with the credit card, including oh. the tip. That's so fucking sweet. That really is. Yeah. That is sweet. Oh, man. It's like your fingers don't work either. Uh. <laughs> No, it's just, it's just, just they're they wanting to take care of me, like, in their own, like, they, since they can't be here, they're in North Carolina, I'm in Illinois, and, uh, like, they offered, like, you know, to let me, like, stay with them and stuff, and I'm like, I, guys, I got, I got my kitties here, and I, I want to record my podcast, you don't want me in the next room saying fuck and shit and cunt and balls and pussy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with that? Does our son have Tourette's? What the fuck is going on over here? Um, so. Do any of your family listen, do you know? Oh, hell no, hell no. My, my, like, my, my sister, my, my sister listens to the recap shows that I do. Um, she listens cause my sister watched Westworld, my sister watched Taboo. So she listened to, uh, Sweetwater Saloon and Talking Taboo. But, uh, she doesn't get all this geek shit. She doesn't like, that's not her thing. So. Too much. Um, her, uh, her husband now, uh, he loves this kind of stuff. Like we actually went and saw Batman v Superman together. And his brother Tony, uh, has one of the largest Star Wars collections, um, in the U.S. So he has, Whoa. yeah, he's got nice. a, yeah, Jake, well, well, I'll have to like, we'll have to get together and I'll have to show it to you sometime. Tony's cool. Um, and he's got like tons of like vintage Star Wars figures and just, he, you know, like, what's that guy on that show? What was it? The toy hunter that, that with, uh, that guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he knows him personally. Uh, that Jordan Hembro, the, the toy hunter guy who had that show on the travel channel. But like, yeah, they all run in the same like toy circles. And so he like hung out with Jordan and, and, um, and all that stuff. So yeah. Anyway, I'm yammering on about a bunch of shit. Um, <laughs> that iTunes review really led into a crazy tangent. Yeah. It did. Uh, oh yeah. And then I want to thank uh, our iTunes reviewer last week, John Arvidon. I uh, said that he worked for a couple of, uh, news outlets. I found out it's uh CBR. So comic book resources and uh newsarama. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I felt bad that I couldn't recall off the top of my head, but uh, that's who he writes for. So thank you so much, sir, for that iTunes review. Appreciated. All right, guys. Let's move on into some good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's see here. Real quick, I want to talk about three movies that I saw real quick. I'm just going to talk about them real quick and rate them. Um, these are things that I've watched in the past couple of weeks that I didn't get to talk about. Uh, I did watch The Darkest Hour. Uh, it's the um, Gary Oldman film where he plays uh, Winston Churchill. And um, it is it is a Tupperware. It is fantastic. Uh, just, just the transformation of him into uh, 
Winston Churchill is amazing. He's unrecognizable and it's spectacular. I think it really started to pick up there in like the last 45 minutes. There's a scene of Winston Churchill totally skipping out on an important meeting of the mines and he sits down with the people and talks to the people on like a subway train to get their feeling on what they should do. And it was a really touching scene and probably one of the best scenes I've seen in a film all year. Uh, I also saw Itanya which is also a Tupperware. Um, Margot, uh, Margot Robbie is amazing. So is Sebastian Stan. Loved it. And then I watched a Phantom Thread. Um, this is the new Daniel Day Lewis film. And, um, this is not, this is a very, this is a very art, like very kind of like art house film. Um, not a lot of people are gonna, in our circles that like, like the, that are into like the comic book stuff, uh, are really gonna, Go to the theater to see this. Um, it's also a P.T. Anderson movie, right? Yes. It's, it's so yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I I really enjoyed this. Um, it took a while for me to get into it, though. But it's such a such a crazy story. Um, it, the, the, uh, first off, the costumes in it are absolutely amazing. the The music in it, the piano is 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 so uh, so good. But um, just just this. <laughs> just if you've seen it, you'll understand what I mean by this. But just this poisonous relationship that these two have, um, just very intriguing. And it's it was just a really wild look into the life of this of this dressmaker who is really good at his work, but really dives in way too deep. Um, and um, the woman that loves him. So I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. This is this movie is not for everyone, and um, it is something like that I would definitely watch again, though. Which <laughs> it's <laughs> I would definitely watch it again if if it came on TV again. I would definitely watch it. I thought uh, I thought there's there's just so many brilliant performances in this. It's not his best film ever. I, I still really enjoyed his performance as Abraham Lincoln a little bit more, but. This was really good. This is a good movie to go out on. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a Tupperware with an asterisk that this is not for <laughs> for a majority of our listeners. So, but uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to have people yelling at you. Yeah, and being like Brian Tupperware, yeah. and I saw it. It was so boring and artsy. Yeah, exactly. And see, that's the thing. It, it, you know, it's Phantom Thread. You know, it's like yeah, it, <laughs> it's got a cool like horror type name to it. But yeah, it's not like that at all. So. Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, real quick, I want to talk about Waco. And, um, I saw this, uh, just yesterday I watched it, but, um, this is on the new Paramount Network. The, I recorded it and I think it came out on like Wednesday and, uh, it was the one that was, it had limited commercial interruption and it was brought to you by Annihilation, which is the new Alex Garland film. And... I've kind of turned back around on Annihilation. I, I kind of said last week that uh, the second trailer I wasn't a big fan of, which I wasn't, um, but I, I really enjoyed this one. They had some TV spots for Annihilation, and they're talking about, like, the shimmer and what that is. I, I'm going to get to Waco, but I want to talk about Annihilation here for a second. But the it's basically, like, there's this event where, like, there, I don't know. There's kind of, like, this... Um, uh, this force, like this, uh, that's, I don't know, like, uh, it looks like kind of like an electrical force, but they call it like a shimmer. And it's, it's growing. It's on the earth and it's growing. And it's kind of like terraforming and mutating everything inside of it. So like animals are mutating and, 
but and 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 anything that's gone in has not come out. So I think like Natalie Portman's husband or boyfriend or husband goes in there and he never comes out. So she goes in there to look with him some, with some other female science, scientists. It's got like Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson is in it. Um, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac's in it. Yeah. And I don't know, man, after like them talking about the shimmer and like, I don't, I am intrigued. I'm really intrigued by this. I, I want to see this. So I'm super excited. I mean, Alex Garland, yeah. Ex Machina, yeah. 28 days later, I'm all in. I'm Jake. I'm honestly thinking about, I want to have a regular episode the week that it comes out, possibly depending on the news. But I, I think depending on this movie, I might want to do like a bonus episode for, you know, we don't have to go like fucking like two, three hours, but I, I'm thinking about doing a bonus episode for, for that movie annihilation. I don't know. I, I would be all in on that too. Nice. Yeah, and this is one of those movies that I'm I'm really not even paying attention yeah. to the trailers yeah. and the teasers. Yeah. Because like it's just got the pedigree. And yeah. I'm like, yes, I want to see that and yes, I know I kinda want to go in as blind as possible. Okay. Yeah, then I, I won't say anything more. It, it, oh, I wasn't giving you shit either. No, 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 you no, were no. Being real good. No, I think it's that second trailer that um that that definitely definitely avoid it then because I, I, I don't know if the second trailer showed its hand a little too much to me yeah and i don't mind i'm not that guy that really like cares about trailer spoiling for the most part you know with all the property movies and the superhero movies no it's not even something like it's not even that like i get that like like oh i can't believe you spoiled that for me it's not that it's just the actual direction that the movie's taking from what i saw exactly it's an original story and i just want to i want to see it unfold yeah anyway i I watched the the first part of this six-part miniseries on Paramount Network, which used to be Spike, it's Waco. This is the uh, David Koresh. This is based on a real story that happened in uh, 1993. It's about the FBI and the ATF seize religious leaders David Koresh's Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas in the spring of 1993. It stars Taylor Kitsch, Michael Shannon, John Leguizamo, Rory Culkin, who is turning into a young Emilio Estevez, Jake. <laughs> and yes. Also, it stars Melissa Benoist, star Supergirl. Um, what did you think, Jake? Man, I I actually really like this. I'm going to give it a high taste. It yeah. Um, I I found it to be very very captivating. Um, I was very upset when it was over. It was like I'm not the biggest binge guy, but since it's just a six part thing, I just wanted to see more immediately. So th- that meant I really liked it. I thought I thought it was really good. I thought the two leads were really great in it too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna kind of you know just. Uh yeah, I'll echo what you said. I'm going to give it a high taste of it as well. I'm going to give the performances by Taylor Kitsch and Michael Shannon a Tupperware, though. I mean... I agree with that. Yes. Um, I think it's maybe... I, we need to see the whole thing kind of come together, you know? Yeah. Before we can maybe even give this one a Tupperware. But I, the performances of Taylor Kitsch, he's... Oh, he's so good in this. He, I, yeah, he's so good. It he, was a really well-framed 45-minute episode, though. Yeah. I'll give it that. Well, see, the thing is, okay, so basically he's playing this cult leader, David Koresh. And the thing is with this, like, the, I, I think what I, the, the approach they're taking from this, like, they've based this on, like, a couple of different novels that have come out about David Koresh. And, oh, there's a there's a uh, A&E special coming out for David Koresh. I think tonight. So yeah, it's like a documentary. But anyway, um, 
the approach that you can get that's on Hulu already by the oh, way. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it came out early on Hulu. The approach that they're taking with this is really cool. Like they they're not making him out to be a villain. They're basically putting No. us in the shoes of the Davidians and we're seeing what a charming guy this guy was and how how easy he was to follow. And then we get to hear the stories of the Davidians talking about him and how they met him and how different he was and how he memorized the scripture and how it, it, it just kind of blew me away uh, at how at how well they're um, – the story's being told and how well Taylor Kitsch is actually playing him because he's very charming. I can, I can oh, totally yeah. see why people meeting him for the first time or people that have been around him are 100% charmed by him. So I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really enjoying the direction that they're going in. I feel like Michael Shannon's doing a great job, but his performance really reminds me he's really starting to turn into Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. I, yeah. And I echo your stuff too about the, uh, um, Tyler Kitsch. I mean, wow. He was super, super charming for like the first half an hour. Yeah. yeah. And, and the whole time you're just like, oh, yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. I get yeah. it. And then he starts laying on the creepy stuff. And yeah. It's like, oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah. But he's got the guy in such a predicament. It's yeah. easier for him to just continue along with it. Right. Like, he just, ah, he manipulated these people so easily. And we haven't it's, even, it was so wild. We've barely seen John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo in this yet. So. I mean, he was, yeah, and I really liked the uh, Michael Shannon stuff. Um, I really like those kind of stories. I am not knocking him. I am not knocking him at all. But I, I think he's so great. I loved him um, in uh, Midnight Special. I I loved him as Zod in Man of Steel. I think that he is one of the best character actors alive today. Him and Michael Stuhlbarg are just like two of the best character actors that are alive and in the business today. But. I, he got. I got a real Tommy Lee Jones kind of feel from him in this one, <laughs> and he's playing a very Tommy Lee Jones kind yeah, of role too. Yeah, he's the FBI negotiator. Yes, yes. and I and I love that kind of storyline. And I thought it was like almost almost like a bonus movie getting to see the uh, Idaho the Idaho shit. Yes, that. right. And that that kind of like lets us know like where he's coming from and like the kind of guy, what kind of character he has. I love yeah, it. I was yeah. impressed by that. I didn't see that coming at all. And it, I was just usually when they're going to cut away from the crush stuff, I'm going to be like, Arr, you yeah. know, but yeah. I was just as into story B as I was story A. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching all six parts of this. It's it's really good. Um, have any of you? Started- I think I might wait. I, I think um, you might I, put it I all together, it and I, I can't wait to see it all. But I don't think I could take it. I, I think I liked it enough that I just want to see it all at once. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, have any? Did you start the? Is it Ryan Murphy doing the uh, Versace, the death, the the assassination? Oh, I want to see that. Uh, is that out already? Yeah, they started it. I think they've had two episodes out, so I haven't I haven't heard anybody yeah. talking about it. So, but hmm. yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you have? Uh, for good pop, bad pop, um, I have, uh, I've got a game that I'll just go over very quickly. Uh, it's on the PC and it's on Steam and it's called They Are Billions. And it's a, uh, a real time strategy game. Like if anyone's played Command and Conquer or World of Warcraft, it's, it's that sort of a game. Uh, but it's set in like a kind of steampunk era and it's basically uh, the last group of human survivors and the title refers to zombies essentially and so you, just like command and conquer have you guys ever played command and conquer or not 
Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I, I've never been an addict. I've yeah, so never played it. No, so basically, it's it's like you kind of build buildings, and those buildings build, you know, like uh, soldiers or people, and you like build a base, and you have to defend your base and all your survivors from uh, swarms of zombies. And there's later on in this game, you have to survive up to I think it's a hundred days, something like that, and you can decrease the amount of days to make it more difficult. And the zombie hordes get bigger and bigger. And by the end of the playthrough that I went through, you're, you're fighting like thousands of zombies at a time. It's it's absolutely insane. And you, you guys know I love zombie stuff. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like I said, Command & Conquer meets Age of Empires. So it's all sort of like resource gathering and uh, balancing stuff. And I think, I don't know if it was a Kickstarter or not, but it was definitely like an early access thing. So you have to like drop your money to get early access to the game. So it's a very small studio that did this. And it, it's only been out for a few weeks um, for like the general public. It's I give it a high taste. It it's because um, I've I've only been able to do one like mission so far and actually complete it because I've had so many playthroughs where one zombie has got through and that zombie will attack one of your buildings and then however many people work in that building they all become zombies as well and they ah. literally just spread like a plague throughout your entire base. But yeah, like I said, it's it's steampunk, so you get a lot of um. Uh, like different kinds of units like there's there's guys with like crazy flamethrowers on these like big clockwork backs and these uh these like like almost like mechs but they're sort of like steampunky mechs that you can use with these huge machine guns and stuff it's really really fun but like i said because i've i've only managed to finish one map because it is so tough i'm giving that one a high taste for definite hmm. um uh the second thing that um i've i've watched uh, Sunny just come out is um, the season two of uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is on Netflix. Hey, did um, uh, did, did you go- did Paul Hart uh, did Paul Hart title that by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a guy called Douglas Adams. Guys, it's an inside joke. We we have a listener. We have a listener named Paul Hart, and he when he comes out with a podcast, they're usually the longest names ever. So (laughs) I just I figured that maybe he was part of the creative team and. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's cool. Yeah, it's quite a mouthful. It really is. Um, so it, did you guys watch season one of Dirk Gently or not? No, I did not. No. It's on Netflix, and it's definitely something that I, I've been hearing some really good things about. So, Yeah, cool. I've read the two books. Oh, awesome, man. Um, I was going to ask, it, it, what is the second book about? Uh, what was it called? The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, I think, is what it was called. Okay. God. <laughs> again, again, Paul. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Doug Gently is, um, it's, it's based on, uh, Douglas Adams books, like Jake, Jake was just saying. And I've watched the first season. I tupped away the first season. I thought it was really original and, um, really kind of, uh, brings the characters to life, like on screen. It's a, it, very very interesting the way that um they actually kind of like the script is written and how things are told so but to kind of go into it without too many spoilers Doug gently is a he's a an a holistic detective which means that everything is connected and he'll take a case and then he, wherever he goes he's he kind of just is willed towards areas that will help him solve the case and so by the end of it he would have solved the case mainly by kind of coincidence and circumstance and it's a it's quite kind of tangential in the first season 
the second season, which is the one that I just watched, things start to like become a lot more like apparent that this is actually what's happening that he's not just some sort of a fucking um you know like a chancer or like he's trying to like fool everybody um so the beginning of this season um this is in the first few minutes so it's no spoilers uh we get taken to a totally insane kind of fairy tale fantasy world where people have pink hair and they've like all the weapons are like these they're swords but they're like giant pairs of scissors and um and uh dirk has been captured uh by uh <laughs> by this fbi agency called blackwing and this is like a government organization which they basically experiment on people like him because he's not the only person which the universe is kind of gifted with these strange these strange abilities there's a lot of different people throughout blackwing which have a lot of different powers um one of them which is introduced in the first series is called bart and she is the universe's assassin so she basically just goes around the world and anyone that she feels like that she should kill she just kills them and again this is any spoilers or anything this is just in the first season first episode the universe won't let her die so people are like firing guns at her and stuff but they always miss and she'll walk straight up to people. They'll put the barrel to her head and the gun will just misfire and click. It's, it's so cool. It's just like a really original hmm. story. Yeah. And, um, and the characters are all super interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I Tupperware this. I Tupperware the first season. I Tupperware the second season. I watched it all the way through. Uh huh. How many episodes are in a season? Uh, I think it's 13. Okay. I think that's what it is. Are they hour but, long? They actually, they actually range between, I think, um, about 35 minutes to about 57, something like that. So it's this not, they're not sounds kind of like, awesome. I, I think I want to start this like tomorrow. Dude, it's, it's yeah. crazy. It really is crazy. And I mean, the, it's set in America. Dirk Gently is obviously English. He's uh, played by, um, Samuel, uh, Barnett and, um, he's, I, when I watched the first season, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't like him that much. I thought he was good, but I didn't think he was great. He basically, yeah. I would look at his performance and I thought that he would, it would be much better suited to someone like Rick Mail, but obviously, you know, Rick Mail has passed away. So that kind of niggled at me. But after watching the first season again and then coming into the second one, he's fantastic, man. He's so charming and lovable and, you know, like adorable. And he's a, he's a bit of a klutz and a ditz, you know. He just like just kind of like wanders into situations and things kind of end up working out for him, but just by sheer coincidence. It's, it's pretty amazing. Hmm. Um, the rest of the cast is um, Elijah Wood plays Todd, who you get introduced to in, in the first episode of the first season. He basically becomes Dirk's assistant, whether he likes it or not which is quite interesting. Um, and Hannah Marks plays Amanda, who is Todd's sister, and she has a a disease uh, called pararibulitis, which means that anything can kind of like set off this disease. So she equates it to she could go outside, she could feel a breeze on her skin, and it would be like um, thousands of needles like sort of piercing her, but she would actually see it as like an hallucination but it will be completely real to her um and her kind of her arc includes some of the other characters from blackwing as well i don't want to say too much man because if if i say too much then it, it ruins the whole damn thing but the characters from blackwing are absolutely amazing they're all completely unique they've all got these different abilities which like, hail from the universe and they're just they're just gifts given to them by the universe and some of them are really fucking odd um 
and but huge um, respect uh, to uh, Jade Ashetti, who plays Farrah Black, who is this incredible badass, like ex soldier, government Asian FBI crazy lady who's um she's just like a tactitional like genius and she can beat the shit out of about like eight people at the same time and she's kind of like the muscle of the group but she's also the brains because like dirk is so completely clueless um and everyone in this uh, just stellar performances throughout is absolutely hilarious and super charming and the production values are really really good as well man i can't it's, tell um, i can't tell if you like this show or not <laughs> oh dude it's so good man <laughs> and it's funny because if you watch the first season and and you like that if you get on yeah. with it and you think oh yeah, this is really cool and you want to see more from the characters jump straight into season two because yeah. it it doesn't stop everyone's is, this, been, uh, is it bbc yeah. america here jake i think it is Yes, it yeah, is. I think that's correct. Yeah. I think it's correct. Yeah, I mean, Douglas Adams has such an imagination. Um, if you guys, I'm sure Dan knows, and you know probably too, Brian, but he's the guy that did uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, I love that. And I, there's just so much, like, the humor is just yeah. so off the wall, and there's so much imagination in the inventions and ideas he always proposes and all his characters and things going on. So, I mean, if this show is anything like the source material, I'm sure it's pretty grand. It's fantastic. I, I highly recommend. If, if it sounds like anything that anyone listening would enjoy, just start see, start season one, episode one. Just check it out. It is is phenomenal. I can't praise it enough. Awesome. Say the long winded title again. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. There you go. All right. On Netflix. I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. It's uh. The I think season one's on Netflix. I don't. Season two. Did they just finish it? Yeah, it was on season one's on Netflix, and we didn't actually <laughs> we didn't get season two over here yeah. at all, like on anything terrestrial. That we had to watch it through Netflix. So oh, you wow. guys got it aired on BBC America, and we didn't even fucking get it. Oh wow, okay, That's yeah, I know it's crazy. Uh, I watched uh, Friday; it dropped um, a futile and stupid gesture on Netflix, um, and this is. It just dropped, yeah, on the 26th. Yes, yeah, yesterday. Holy shit. Is that, I was at the Lampoon? Yes. Uh, in the 1970s and 80s, National Lampoon's success and influence creates a new media empire overseen in part by the brilliant and troubled Doug Kenny. And this is the story of Doug Kenny. Uh, he pl- is played by Will Forte. Um, this is also, this also has, oh my gosh, uh, Donald Gleason. Which I know it looks like Domhnall Gleeson, everybody, <laughs> but it's actually pronounced Donald Gleeson. Uh, I can never get his name right. Uh, Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase, uh, Annette O'Toole. Seth Green has a really small part in it. Matt Lucas and then a ton of other comedians are in this, uh, guys from the state and shit. So um, Joel McHale played Chevy Chase, which I thought was really cool, his community co-star. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that is interesting. This – I don't know, man. I, I really enjoy this. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. It, it, it it's very, very good. Uh, funny. Um, you get to know about Doug Ke- Doug Kenny. I I do think it's kind of fucked up, though. They do have um, another comedian, and I can't think of his name right now, but he is narrating as an older Doug Kenny, and which I mean, Doug Kenny died uh, in his early 30s, so it was one of those things where. I didn't know how I really felt about that creative choice. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, that is weird. Just show the yeah. scripted, you know, yeah. autobiography. Right. Yeah. I 
I didn't know how I felt about that. It was done, I guess, in a tasteful way. It, it wasn't like that that John Belushi Wired movie where it was like <laughs> that was terrible. That was like oh, that was awful. Um, but this was this was very good, and, and they they showed you some of the behind the scenes stuff as to how you know the magazine came about. Um, how they took a, how they took a, uh, they took big risks on it. Like his partner, uh, for the magazine, like didn't go to law school and they pursued this and, um, <laughs> uh, Weight Watchers magazine was the one that kind of like, um, got them going and, and got them their first print run and, and, um, they, then they got involved with all the guys from SNL before they were at, with Saturday Night Live, you know, Belushi, you know, Chevy, you know, Bill Murray, Gilda Radner. Um, and then how they went off to do, they had a guy play Lorne Michaels in this and he sounded just like Lorne. It was amazing. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, and then you, you, you do get to see like, you know, some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, you know, in, in the animal house film. And then, and then also in his follow-up film, Caddyshack. And, um, it, it, it's, 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 I thought it was really good. I thought, I think it's a great watch. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I definitely think it's worth seeing because, you know, just like the other, what was the other one that I watched? The, about the magazine, the, the jackass documentary that I watched that showed how that, you know, the jackass guys came to be and how they came from a magazine first. This was, this was like in that vein, but you know, just with actors. And, uh, I thought Will Forte was great. He was very funny. And I think it's, I think it's very loosely based, but I think, I think it's based in a lot of truth as well. So I highly recommend this. I'd give it a Tupperware, uh, a futile and stupid gesture on Netflix. So definitely check that out. Jake, I know that yeah. you had, oh, go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, to say? I was going to say, I'm actually really excited to see this myself. I'm, I'm super pumped. I was like on the edge of my seat waiting for your rating. And before you said it, you were like, eh, and I was like, oh man, it sounds like he hates something about no, it. There's so. one, there's a, I, I don't know how I feel about the creative decision to have, an older version of Doug Kenny narrate the story. I don't know yeah, you, how tasteful. I, 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 the content and the humor in it is great, but it's like I don't know if I actually need that, right? Yeah, but it wasn't so distractful that the good wasn't really good. No, no, it's just one of those yeah. things where I'm like, could they have left that out and could it have still been a great movie? Yes. Problem. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, undoubtedly, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I, it felt like just a way to get this comedian in the in the film, to be quite honest with you. But, yeah, I'm uh, probably going to watch this by weeks in. This was definitely on my list. Yeah. Lampoon, the Lampoon magazine was always so taboo when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. It seems so yeah. soft now. Yeah. Like, it was always, like, the, the little bit more raunchier Mad Magazine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what they went for. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I always, always loved it when I could get my hands on it, but I never had too many issues of it when mm -hmm. I was the age when you could get it. Oh yeah, my parents would not let me have that. Absolutely not. And I always wanted to. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the allure. Yeah, I, I just briefly wanted to talk about the new season of The Amazing Race. Um, I was catching up on all my reality stuff this week, and I watched the first four episodes of the new season. It is the 30th season of The Amazing Race. Dan, do you know what this game show is? Being no, I've heard of The Amazing Race, but I have no idea what it is. It's basically, it's like a race around the, the world, and they have like 11 teams and 11 checkpoints, and the last team to arrive at each, each checkpoint gets booted off until you get down to the winner. Wow, but that sounds cool. <laughs> it is really cool, it, but it's purely, it's not like these other reality shows where there's all this, like, 
you know, voting people out. It, it's purely who can get there the fastest, who can do the games and competitions faster and better, and who can not get fucked over by stupid taxi drivers that don't know where they're going. And <laughs> You know, whatever. So it it's it it can be really exciting, but I mean, uh, can you, ma- Jake? This has got to be an editing nightmare for them. <laughs> for, What's for that? The people that edit the show. Oh yeah, and they've won a ton of awards. Like they, for like the first ten years of the show, they swept the best reality series, and a lot of yeah. it's what you're talking about, Brian. It's the the fact that all this is happening and they're filming it all at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I've watched a couple seasons of the show. It is really good. It's a really good show. Um, um, th- this season, the show was actually on the verge of cancellation. This is the 30th season. Uh, the last few seasons have had not very good ratings. Um, they moved it to Survivor's time slot while it's off the air, and it's had a huge resurgence. And it actually seems big enough that we're going to be guaranteed to see some more seasons of this. So that that has me really excited. I was going to hate to lose this show. Uh, Netflix would have picked it up. Somebody would have picked it yeah, up. I agree with that. It is popular enough for that. I think you're right. But they have a cool new thing this season called the head-to-head, which they've never done before, where now when you get to a spot, you have to stay there until the next team gets there, and you have to do some kind of competition with that team. And if you win, you move forward. But if you lose, you just stay there and do it against the next team too hmm. so it's it's pretty brutal and it really adds a lot of drama so no matter how good your race could be going if you can't beat these competitions you're just going to stand there and get passed up it, i thought it was a really cool twist That's wow cool. Do, yeah. so do they have like a budget or something for like travel for taxis and flights and things yeah or? they deal with that too um you don't have to pay for your airfares or gasoline but everything okay. else you have to pay for. And sometimes they'll have non-elimination legs. And if they have one of those, what they do is they strip you of all your money and all your belongings, but you don't get eliminated. Whoa. <laughs> and so you'll the people will be begging off the streets to get money or food or whatever. Do you remember, Jake, do you, you remember know? the show? Do they still have it on or did it get canceled? It was uh, Beg, Borrow, and Deal. Did you ever watch that? Oh, that sounds super familiar. I'm Googling it right now. felt like it was on, like, I used to love that show. I felt like it was on, like, ESPN or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they had one season of The Amazing Race where one team lost, and you win a million dollars if you win. One team lost because the girl had to stop and pee, and that was was exactly why they lost. It was the only reason. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, can you imagine living with that? You would have had a million dollars if you you could just hold that pee for another 15 minutes. (laughs) The million-dollar pee. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would pee myself all over national TV for the million dollars. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm sorry, Phil, but I'm soaked. Give me my check. I don't remember this show, Brian. It was on ESPN. I don't – was it? Yeah, for yeah. 2002 and 2003. Yeah. I loved uh, it. Two teams of two teams of four pitted against each other. The object of the game was to get one point in the United States to another while completing sports-related tasks from a given list at the start of the game. Huh. Wow, the contestants were only allowed to close on their backs and their driver's licenses. They could never handle any form of money. This forced the players to beg, borrow, and deal for meals, transportation, and nightly lodging. Yeah, it was a oh, great. It was a great fucking show, and it was on ESPN for like two years, and then I never saw it again. 
Yeah, it's probably ESPN was being experimental and yeah. trying a reality show yeah. during the 2002-2003 reality show boom. You yeah, know? yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, I, I loved it. I, I couldn't get enough of it, man. I really enjoyed yeah, that, it. So That sounds like a good one. Yeah. It's, yeah, but yeah, Amazing Race is really cool, and they have different versions of it all over the world. Oh, yeah. Like, we're not the only country that has it, so I'm surprised you haven't heard of it, Dan. No, I really want to check this out. It sounds like something I'd actually enjoy. Uh, and ever, ever since they made it HD, it's just gorgeous. And it's really cool to see them go to all these different countries. And, you know, you see a lot of stuff you've never seen before. And it, it's just wild to see these people just racing through while people are going about their way, you know? Wow. I can't believe it hasn't made it over here. It sounds so good. Yeah, I'm shocked it hasn't. I know you guys have Big Brother. Yeah. Yeah, we started Big Brother, I yeah, think. Yeah, we started Big Brother, I think, yeah. So, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's a great show. Amazing races. And this season has just been a Tupperware so far. They've, they've had really good teams, and just it's been lots of fun. Well, cool. I'm going to try and pick that up from somewhere. I'm sure I'll be able to get it from somewhere because that, that sounds right up my street. Yeah, it's good. It's good. If you can't find it, I, I think I have a trick for you, too. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, final thing that I want to talk about, and then we can take a break here unless you guys got anything left. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about Counterpart on Stars. Uh, it's the uh, new series with J.K. Simmons. Uh, UN employee discovers the agency he works for is hiding a gateway to a parallel dimension. So this has a very cool sci-fi element to it. It's created by the series is created by Justin Marks, who I'd never heard of before. So I went on to IMDb and looked him up. Uh, don't judge him too quickly here, but he wrote the Chun Li film. Uh, back in 2009, the one with uh, <laughs> Kristen Kreek from Smallville, where she played Chun-Li. Uh, but then he also redeemed himself and wrote the screenplay for Disney's Jungle Book, the live-action John Favreau-directed film that came out a couple years ago. So, uh, I, I, oh my god, this show is fascinating, man. I... Okay, here's... here's okay, this is what happens. Apparently, like, during the Cold War... These Eastern scientists, they're experimenting and it, they create a parallel dimension. And this is the place where J.K. Simmons' character of Howard Silk works. And it's, it's basically like ground zero for like this doorway to this other world, which we haven't seen yet. Like I haven't seen how they get in and out from this world. That, that was not revealed in this episode. We have seen the other side, but as far as like how they get in and out, I have no clue. And so this, this experiment creates a duplicate earth where everyone has been living the exact same life. So up until that moment. So there's a doppelganger of Howard that had the exact same life that he had growing up. Until that moment, same father, same mother, same experiences with like family, um, everything, every memory that they've had, they had, they, they've both had it. It's, it's wild to think of. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That, that sounds a little bit like, um, Fringe had a lot of that going on. And, uh, Did it? yeah, I, fr Fringe, I, I watched the first, like most of the first season, but I never finished it up, so. 
Okay. By the third through fifth season, it was all about an alternate dimension yeah. where they had copies of all the other characters that yeah. had done all the same stuff except for just like a couple little differences. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember hearing about in Fringe that they actually got the version of Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz. Like there was a there was a <laughs> yes. poster for Back to the Future and it was the Eric Stoltz Back to the Future. So, um, <laughs> but it's crazy. Like I guess as soon as like they created this 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 uh, duplicate earth now that they've created it and they can communicate with the other earth it it basically now it's created anomalies between the two worlds so jk simmons doppelganger is also howard silk and he knows a lot more about like what's going on um between the two worlds because the the two earths are communicating and i don't know what kind of like information they're giving each other back and forth but information is being handed uh between the two worlds um we do know that there's a killer from – I'm going to call it Earth 2 that is coming over to Earth 1 and killing people in Earth 1 that work for the organization. Uh, we've seen a guy that works in strategy get killed and we saw a, this killer going after Howard's wife on Earth 1. And she's been in a coma after a car wreck. So, like, it makes me wonder if, like, the car wreck had anything to do with someone going on it over in Earth 2 trying to kill her. But anyway, there's it, – it, this show makes you think. It makes you think so much. There's, like, this, there's this silly little scene of the two, two Howards in the room together. And Howard number two is going on a mission on Earth 1 um, to – try to kill to, to try to stop the killer who's going to go after Howard one's wife who's in the coma and he finds he's getting dressed and he finds an old tie of Howard's and he's like oh I this is my favorite tie I lost this tie years ago and Howard one tells him to take it that he hasn't worn it in years and it makes you wonder like did he stop wearing that tie after Howard number two lost it on his world for some reason, like he just stopped wearing it at that, at that moment. You know, it makes you think about these certain things and the connections between the two worlds. And, and, um, there's a lot of mystery and a lot of lies being told. There's a huge reveal at the end of the episode that blew me away. Uh, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I absolutely loved this show and I cannot wait. I think it's 10 episodes and I can't wait to watch episode two, which comes on tonight. So I'll definitely probably be watching that tomorrow. Um, that's cool. That's a crazy premise to yeah. get J.K. Simmons to do a TV show on. Yeah, yeah. And the, and he plays these two Howards so well. Um, one, oh. he play, I, I, you can definitely can tell that, you know, and I like how they did it. Like, you know, he's dressed in like white and like the other Howards mostly dressed in darker colors. And so it kind of like, you know, gives you like kind of like that man in black kind of feel from like Earth number two is – He's the one who, who who you don't really trust. He knows a lot more than he's letting on. And I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm I love this show so far. I know it's only one episode in, but I'm going to give it a Tupperware because I I really do like this whole premise, and I do like the fact that they're holding back a lot. They're holding back a lot, um, and just letting us know very little information. They're they're kind of spoon feeding it to us. They're and it's not because. You know, they're just not giving it all away right now because, like, that's one of those things. Like, some people will watch this and be like, "Oh, it's moving too slow," and like, I want to know what this <clears> is about. Like, well, let the let the let the story 
run, let the showrunner tell you when it's when it's ready. You know, like just just have some patience. Um, so yeah, Dan, let me ask you about this. Did you ever get, yeah. did you ever get back to watching uh, the end of the fucking world, or did you just give up on it? No, I just gave up. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You get no. You get you get through four episodes of that, and then I'm telling you, man. I, I there's a there's a oh my there's like moments in that fucking show where these characters redeem themselves. It's like you people just watch it and you're like, ah, I didn't like it because I don't like these people. It's because that's that's why there's fucking eight more episodes left, you asshole. Um, that's why. <laughs> Well, this sucks, dude, because you've completely sold me on Counterpart already. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, this, you've got so much stuff to watch. You've got to watch Counterpart. It's it, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I also want to retract another rating that I had from last week. Uh, I talked about how I, I was very indifferent when it came to watching this new CW series, Black Lightning. Uh, I did watch episode number two, and I enjoyed it quite a bit more. I just felt like in that first episode that they were kind of like – I don't know, retreading like a lot of stuff that we saw in Luke Cage. Um, and, but I, honestly, in the second episode, I, I don't know. I think the show is, there's something there and it's a lot darker and grittier than I thought that they were going to go for. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give that second episode a uh, Tupperware and I'm going to give the series overall a high taste it for me right now. And it has the potential to be a Tupperware. I, I'm I'm turning around on Black Lightning. I'm definitely going to watch episode three, and I felt like the vi- the villain of the show that they were just kind of like trying to make him almost like a kingpin clone too. That that that's so I was like ah, there's nothing original in this. It's it's Luke Cage meets Daredevil, you know, and um, but I, I do appreciate what they're doing here, and and um, so I am going to give it. Uh, a high taste it so far, and that second episode was a Tupperware. So I- I'm coming around on Black Lightning, guys. So yeah, how, how, you. how dare you judge a fucking show on one episode, Brian? How dare you? Hey, but at least I hey hey, at least I learned from my lesson, and I didn't drop it like it's hot. And, and, and <laughs> all right, Dan, you need to get back to the end of the fucking world. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, once you, <laughs> once you get to the fucking, the, the shit that drops, I think it's in episode three, you're going to be on the edge of your fucking seat. I'm telling okay, you, cool. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you that, uh, oh, see, I want to spoil it. I want to spoil it just to be an asshole, just so I could be like, <laughs> just so I could shove it in your face and be like, yeah, <laughs> this is what you get in that show. It's not just unlikable <laughs> characters. No, I, I hope you do get back to it. You know, just I would say go through four episodes, Dan. And if you feel like after four episodes that there's nothing else to it, then I can then I'll be like, OK, dude, you just you just don't like good things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not the first time that's been said on this show, so <laughs> it could be true. No, I love I love how in this show, like when we record these shows, like like I don't know, you know, like the telephone game where like somebody says something, they whisper it to somebody, and then they whisper it to the next person, and then by the time it gets to the end, somebody says something really fucked up, and it's not even the thing, the original thing yeah. that was said. That's what happens on this show. Like Dan will give Logan a high taste it, but two months from now, you tossed it. 
you know? And like <laughs> the, the same thing, me and Jake will taste Spider-Man Homecoming, but six months from now, it's like everybody's saying we tossed the shit out of that movie. And it's like, what the fuck? I don't know. I, you know, yeah. whatever. What Sometimes that happens for real. Like yeah. we actually do go down after seeing it a second time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, I, I will definitely jump back on board, man. But it was what we were saying, like, in the tuppies and stuff. Yeah. There's so many fantastic TV shows that yeah. have, like, come yeah. out like, in, like, last year. And, like, you know, we're only in bloody January. Yep. And we've already got all this stuff to watch. It's, I, uh, I know it's crazy, but I, I, I'm going to say, like, Counterpart, like, for me is the best new show of 2018. But, it's, I mean, we're only three weeks in. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it, it really is. It, it's really good. J.K. Simmons is putting on a clinic man in this fucking show he's just he it's great I, I it's it's really nice to see an actor like him get his like to be to be like the main character in a show like this and yeah, so definitely yeah because you don't see that too much especially like like last year i thought um the uh actor that that's the main guy in mr mercedes like i applaud you know the audience network for I can't remember the actor's name. He's been in like Braveheart and a bunch of other movies. He's basically just a character actor. And like here he is, he's the, he's the lead in this. And he's not like your, like, he's not your typical leading man in a series like this. And it, I, I, I applaud stars and audience for like, for doing this. I think it's great, you know? So, you know, that's what I think. Like, look at, look at like the, um, the, the actresses that are up for, um, Oscars. You've got most of them are are very as, as, looks wise are just gorgeous, and then you have like Frances McDormand, you know, and it's like mm, yeah, she's not known for like you know her looks. She's just a damn fine actress, and you know I just feel I do feel like there's that 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 the leading woman and the leading man roles usually go to like the more attractive people in Hollywood. Yeah, and um, yeah. It was uh, Anton Yelkin that was supposed to be Mr. Mercedes before he passed away. Oh, uh, really? I, he was supposed yeah. to play the, the, yeah, the young kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. He's yeah. Play, yeah. Hartsfield. Exactly. Yep. He was supposed to be playing. Yeah. I think the guy they got is really good, though. Real fucking good. So. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a break and come back with news, guys. How's that sound? Awesome. Cute. Cool. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. 
right, hey, we are back, and it is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's the leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, the uh, huge blow here to the uh, Snowpiercer TV series that was ordered by TNT. Yes, it was ordered, so it uh, it's happening. Uh, the showrunner, Josh Friedman, uh, who... Uh, basically, uh, when the, it was announced that he was gonna be the showrunner, I was like, yes, alright, yeah, Josh Friedman, you know, he's behind, like, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, he's a proven showrunner for television, he's now leaving, citing creative differences. So. That's never good. Uh, he wrote the pilot, and the series now has no showrunner, show no direction. This is not a good sign. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to overcome this. Um, TNT has has put a lot into this series, and um, I don't know, man. This is not a good sign. Yeah, that's that's never good. Um, I mean, they've got that pilot, and they're probably still going to use it. But after that, the creative direction is going to. I mean, not necessarily go down the tubes, but it's not going to be, you know, the guy with the vision isn't going to be there anymore. So that's yeah. never a good sign. Yeah, we're, we're getting into kind of like, and Dan, you can kind of agree with this maybe, we might we might be going down the difference between like Frank Darabont, Walking Dead, and, and you know, Glenn Mazzara and Scott Gimple, Walking Dead, you know? So, yeah, yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, looking that it, it's supposed to air like in 2018, so there's definitely like a time crunch on them getting anybody new. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a problem either way. Like you said, like the creative vision has gone. So, and who the hell are they going to get to replace them? Yeah. Like, what's going on with all these shows? Like, like it seems like all these showrunners are there for one season and gone. Like, we've seen, like, Stephen S. Tonight there for the first season of Daredevil. Boom. And then he's gone. Uh, most recently with American Gods. You know, Brian, Folk, Brian Fuller, Michael Green. One one season and gone. So, yeah. same thing. Josh Friedman couldn't even make it a full season with Snowpiercer. And, yeah. and gone. It sounds so. like he there's big-time creative differences. I wonder what the real scoop is here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like this. I was really excited and on board for this when it was Josh Friedman that was going to be involved, man. Because, you know, I... You know, I, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. I didn't know really what they could do with it. You know, I know it's based off, like, the, I think, graphic novels and everything like that, which I have not read. But, Mm-mm. you know, it's – I was like, okay, what are they – is it going to be a whole show? They're going to be on a train the entire time? Well, let's find out. I'm, I'm willing to give Josh Friedman a chance here. And now he's gone, and I'm just kind of like, fuck. I don't know. I don't know. It, so this is this is not good. This is not good. For It'll probably TV. still have a good pilot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully they'll be able to bring somebody in or somebody that's involved with, like, the production now um, knows enough about it that can take over and kind of carry on the vision that Josh had when he first signed on. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, next yeah, we th- could get lucky and find a new talent. That's true. That's very true. Um I'm anxious and worried to see Sicario 2. I, I personally was, I didn't know, like, I thought it was like a good one and done story. I don't know. I didn't know that I didn't, I didn't want them going down the fucking Liam Neeson sequel route with this shit, you know, and I, I, I loved, I loved, uh, Benicio del Toro's character in that, but it was like, I don't know. I was thinking to myself, like, do we have to see more? Do we have to see more of him and Josh Brolin? But we're getting a Sicario too. Um, we're not getting the uh, we're not getting Denis Villeneuve as uh, directing this one. He 
went on and he's doing uh, Blade Runner 2049. And now he's off doing his Dune reboot, which I don't know if you guys heard about this. He's calling his Dune rebo- reboot Star Wars for adults. I don't think that he, oh. I, don't, I don't think that he was trying to be mean with that quote, but it, it doesn't sound uh, great. It comes off mean. It comes off very fucking mean. Um, anyway, in an interview with the uh, Empire franchise producer Ed McGonagall, uh, Empire was in an interview with Ed McGonagall, who's the uh, franchise producer. He says that uh, Denis Villeneuve might come back for Sicario Three. Quote: He wishes he had been available for Sicario Two. We even talked about him maybe coming back for the third one. Should there be one? Um, if I reveal- that makes me feel better about it. Yeah, I about S- Sicario Two. About them doing a second one in the first place, it yeah. makes it feel a little bit less of a cash in. Yeah, knowing that that he would have liked to have been involved and yeah. could be involved more. Yeah, but like I don't see. I, I would love to see Denis come back. You're absolutely right. Like if Denis Denis wanted to come back, it should be a good movie. If he wanted to be involved with it to begin with, right? Yes, that that's the, that's my line of yeah. Thinking, that this is possibly good evidence that it's not going to be cash in crap. Well, it's still Taylor Sheridan, who's who's writing it, I believe. Who wrote the okay? Who wrote you know? And Taylor Sheridan did Wind River last year, which was he wrote and directed that, which is phenomenal. And like Jake, we were talking earlier today. Uh, Paramount Network is going to have a Kevin Costner miniseries coming out this year in June called Yellowstone, which is written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. So that's, I don't know, I'm looking forward to that too. I know I'm all over the place with this one, but I'm really looking forward to that too. But I don't know, it, uh, Sicario 3, um, if Denis comes back, I, I'll i be over the fucking moon, man. Did, we, did I lose somebody? Uh, yeah, you just lost Jake. Okay, he'll call back in. Let's pause. All right, yeah, we got Jake back. Um, I don't know. I'm back. I didn't know he was writing Sicario too, as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Taylor Sheridan wrote it. I'm yeah, pretty he did. sure. Yeah, Soldado is the sequel. So yeah, Taylor Sheridan wrote that, which is a good sign. It's a very good sign. It's just we won't have you know Denis and Roger Deakins is not doing the cinematography for the second one as well, but. Um, you know, and that was one of the best parts of the first movie. Absolutely. So, uh, and we know Denise busy, going to be busy with, um, Dune, the Dune reboot. And then he's also, I'm hearing he's doing a, an R rated. Well, he got, he turned down. What did he, they asked him to, they asked him to direct the next James Bond and he had to turn Whoa. it. Yeah. He had to turn it down cause he's so busy. Um, and he's doing an R-rated version of Cleopatra for Sony as well. So I don't know when he's going to find the time to do Sicario 3. But, um, I mean, if they can wait a few years for that. I'd say they could probably wait about three years before they did Sicario 3. So Yeah, I agree, Brian. I think it's one of those kind of movies that has the shelf life. Like, it, yeah. the second one holds up, yeah. too. Like, it's not like thing, something people are going to be, like, hammering at the table for. Like, I think it would be served better to have a three- to five-year break for a sequel. Yeah, it's not like, um, oh, God, uh, Sin City, where they took, like, a, I forget. Oh, no, yeah. Like, an eight-year like break. More than a decade. Yeah, ridiculous. So, uh, what does Netflix think of the Disney streaming service? This, uh, their response was in a Variety article. Uh, here's the here's the article. Netflix isn't afraid of the competition from Disney's upcoming direct-to-consumer offering, executives told Investors Monday. We don't see it as a threat to us, 
any more than Hulu has been, said Netflix CEO Reed Hastings during the company's quarter four 2017 earnings call. He added that he'd expect Disney's service to be, quote, very successful because of the company's brands and content. Um, and he also says, I know I'll be a subscriber of it. Um, and then he also addressed the Disney Fox buyout. And the article went on to say, I was surprised as anyone that Fox was willing to sell. Um, Hastings said, but he also tried to assure consumers that the impact of the deal will be minimal. Quote, these big U.S. media company mergers are pretty peripheral, he said. Um, peripheral to us. Hastings, Hastings also argued that Netflix won't feel much of an impact of Disney movies disappearing from the service. Quote, it's great content, but we are able to grow without it just fine. He said, adding that the current output ha- deal has been limited to the United States. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I think Netflix, even if they were worried, w- would not let on, of course. In, Agreed. In that way. was what I was going to say when I started talking yeah. there. This is exactly what he should say. And, and it's probably not false. I mean, Correct. right. Really. I mean, Netflix is like the jello of streaming services. Like you don't call it gelatin, you call it jello. You know, it's a, it's everywhere. Well, it's like, they're, I think what Netflix is doing, and, and they've been Netflix has been very proactive. Um, they knew that they could not hang their hat on movies and TV. Um, it's all about original programming, right? I mean, that's oh, yeah. So, and I think that that's that's why they're wanting to have fifty percent of their content by the end of like this year or whatever it is be original content, and, and the reason being is because. You'll only be able to get it on Netflix, and they know that. And they, and they know that that you know if it came down to it, like you know if you only had that you know ten, eleven dollars to spend that month, they know that you're going to want to watch Stranger Things three. And it seems like every week there's a new movie being dropped. Like I, that, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the National Lampoon's movie that I just watched. There's a new comedy special being dropped all the time. And so even with them like losing all like the Disney stuff, you know, it, it feels like. We're going to be able to see Stranger Things three, Mindhunter season two. These are things that I'm not willing to to give up, Jake. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in it for good. I mean, as big of a Disney mark as I am, the Disney streaming service isn't going to get me to cancel my Netflix subscription, right? Like I'm there. Like I was going to say, man, they're they're not twenty billion dollars in debt for no reason. <laughs> you know they 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 they're playing the long game that's what they've done and i think that they're very they're pretty damn busy like business savvy netflix i mean i first watched netflix when i came home to the us about 6 7 years ago and the only things that were really worth watching or at least that i thought were worth watching aside from like a few of the kind of new releases which there weren't many they had like they they had always sunny like straight away they, yeah. you could stream that start to finish for what was available at the time and i was like oh this is amazing and you know, i'd never <laughs> seen always sunny before it just blew me away i came back to the uk and i got on it immediately so it's not like they don't know what's going on in you know in in the kind of business side of the whole thing like with disney kind of throwing their weight around and like buying fox and all that sort of stuff they knew what was coming mm-hmm. and as soon as those rumors came about that they were going to be disney were going to be doing their own streaming service like you said brian they just went they've just they've just gone full bore and they've just started they've, they're in debt sure but they're just coming up with original programming yeah. like you said the comedy specials the movies like with like you know they purchased, bright and they purchased miller world you know mark miller's uh 
all his yeah, that's, content. Yeah, that's huge. His library, really? Yes. Wow. Yes. So, and you know, and, and we're seeing like other we're seeing other streaming services kind of like try to answer to that as well. Like Amazon Prime recently struck a deal with Robert Kirkman for all of his future projects. So like he's got a new comic book coming out called Oblivion Song, and so like that means that if Oblivion Song ever gets a TV adaptation, it's going to go to Amazon Prime. So okay. you know, we're seeing we're seeing like the domino effect of, you know, uh, one company making like a move and other companies following suit. And see, that's what I'm worried about here. I, I, I'm kind of terrified of the fact that I believe that that competition creates creativity. And I'm worried about now Apple wanting to like Apple wanting to buy everything. Well, purchase <laughs> Netflix, you know, to, Apple could buy everything, but I'm, I'm worried about Apple trying to purchase Netflix now. Cause I feel like one of the big reasons that Disney did go after Fox was because of course they're number one, their library, they can add that, um, to, you know, their streaming service, but also Hulu, like as soon as you buy Hulu and you own 60% of Hulu, now you own like the, the infrastructure where you can like have your streaming service. You've, you've already got a successful streaming service. And so now, now I'm thinking like, is, is Apple going to make a, make a serious bid at Netflix so that they can have they can have everything up and running and ready to go like sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's a that's a valid thing to be worried about. I mean, Apple really doesn't have a very good proven record is like doing very many like creative scripted fiction shows. Like yeah. they, if they were to buy out Netflix, like it would want to be some type of merger mm-hmm. where they were still keeping that division intact, you would think to be able to even come up with the amount of original movies and shows mm-hmm. that Netflix does, you know? Yeah. It almost would feel like they were just squashing it if they were buying it, and I, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's it's worrisome, and it, but these talks are apparently these talks are happening, or the, it's being you know they're they're thinking about it. So I I I I would hope that Netflix Netflix shouldn't even be Netflix. I mean they they basically uh, Blockbuster Video had the opportunity to purchase uh, Netflix <laughs> and said. And said, no, no, we're good. And Whoops. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, it's the equivalent of a Sith apprentice killing their master. And that's, that's what happened, you know? <laughs> the, 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 back when Netflix was still just like a rental, like a, like a rental service, like where you, it would send you like DVDs in the mail. Like, <laughs> oh, I loved that too. So did I. I did it too. I did it too. And I don't know, man. I, um, I, uh, I, I, I want, I want the Apple service to kind of like just do their own thing, man. I, I, and I want Netflix to be their own thing. But then, of course, I'm also going to be that guy months from now bitching and saying, oh man, I can't believe I'm, I'm fucking paying for five or six streaming services. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shit. I feel like I'm already paying for five or six. So it's like, then, then we could, then we could see, but see, that's the problem. If, if, if Apple bought Netflix, you know that the subscription prices are going to go up, right? You know? Yep. Yeah, most likely. Why? Because they can afford to. They can afford to. It'll be a dollar here and a dollar there. It may not all be at once, but it'll be after they've 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 got their claws so deep into you, man. 
it's going to be to the point where it's like, okay, now I'm paying like, you know, thirteen ninety nine a month, 14. I'm paying basically HBO prices. Yeah. To be fair, Netflix has been doing that their entire lifespan now without Apple's help. I know. I'm just saying like, it'll, it, it, <laughs> they will have us by the balls though. If Apple, yeah, I mean, they are, yeah. yeah, they do. They really do. Um, let's see here. Let's move on. Uh, we recently got a, <laughs> didn't we just get a Robocop sequel? Like the PG 13, Joel Kinnaman, Michael Keaton, PG 13 piece of shit. Was, was that yeah, 2016? That I thought it was earlier. I thought, isn't that like 2015? I think Brian's probably more right. I, my phone is on the charger. It's fine. It, it was 14 or 15. Jake, you saw this, didn't you? I did. I did. What did you think about it? it? I never watched it. I refused to. I, I didn't like it at all. Okay. It was it was not good. And you know, it was Samuel okay. Samuel L. Jackson was in it too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a complete farce. Like it wasn't laughably bad by any means, but it was just like you didn't need it, and it didn't do anything new or bring it to the table. See, this, so. see, see that's what, like Paul Verhoeven when he directed the original. Like that's what he did. He 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 took the political climate that we had at the time. And he incorporated it into the film, and that's what made it so, so fucking awesome and epic, right? Because yeah, you're right, you're right. It's all social satire yes. in the first movie, and that's what's so brilliant about it. Yeah. And the violence isn't violent just to be, you know, shocking. It really is is just part of the, yeah. the social satire that RoboCop did. It's it's a lot deeper than most people realize, and I think that's a little bit of the problem with all the sequels is they've never been able to recapture just kind of the magic of the first one and everything that Verhoeven did. Yeah. Well, Verhoeven did direct the second one, correct? Yeah. Mm, not, he might have. I'm not 100% about that. You might be right because yeah. the second one was pretty good too. Yeah, I enjoyed the second it's one. It's not as good as the first one. but Dan, did you see the reboot? I did, yeah. Would you? Oh, I bet you, did you like this piece of shit? Yeah, not really. Oh, okay. Like it wasn't like completely painful, but it yeah. wasn't a scratch on the original. Like uh, just like you guys are saying, yeah. they completely missed yeah. the point of the whole movie. Yeah. It was a, uh, you know, they they took like the blood and gore and the action, and they toned it down. And then they they did. There was no satire. They just kind of like told the story as is, yeah. but yeah. without oh, any oh, but, of oh, the uh, they're gonna put him in charm a, and they're gonna yeah. put him in a black stealth suit, right? Like that happened, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. See, that's that's the exact same thing that they did in the Total Recall reboot. Is like the Total Recall boot, it didn't have the charm and the funny shit. It didn't have any mutants in it. Um, it, it, Zero mutants. Uh, I'd say like the technology was really cool. Like the updated tech was really cool, but it didn't, it wasn't fun, man. I don't know. Hmm. I haven't watched that. I was kind of like, ugh. I love Total Recall so much. It looks so bland. Yeah. This was not... uh, So, uh, that's why this this article from Zeitgeist Entertainment Magazine confused me. And I'm... I don't know how I feel. I've not 100% made up my mind on how I feel about it. It's an interview with Ed Newmeyer, who wrote the original RoboCop with Michael Miner. Says that he's working on a sequel to the 1987 version of the film, which I'll also throw out that they both helped write RoboCop 2 as well. And and this guy, he, he wrote uh, all of the Starship Trooper films as well as that. And that includes the animated Starship Troopers, Trader of Mars, which won a tuppy last year for uh, best an- – you know, it won a tuppy for best animated film. It didn't win the tuppy, my tuppy, but it, you know, it came in fourth place. I loved it. 
Anyway, Zeitgeist asked him this question. At the time of filming RoboCop, did you expect to have the cult following it has now? And he replied, no, I don't think you really – I had seen early screenings and people laughed at it. So I thought, oh, it might be successful and it was more successful than anybody really knew it would be. I didn't expect to be talking about it 30 years later. I was kind of – it was kind of the start of my career and later we did Starship Troopers, which was an enormous movie that took forever. I think all that came out of that and it's nice that people are still interested in RoboCop. And they have me working on a new one at MGM right now, so maybe we'll get another one out of it. Zeitgeist then asked him, could you give readers some sort of teaser as to what it's going to be about? And he replied, well, here's what I'll say. We're not supposed to say too much. There's been a bunch of other RoboCop movies, and there was recently a remake, and I would say this would be kind of going back to the old RoboCop we all love. And starting there and going forward. So it's a really a continuation, really, of the first movie, in my mind. So it's a little bit more of the old school thing. So, is this a sequel to the original? Or is it, or is it just, is it gonna be a retelling? I don't, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, you can really run wild with the way he puts that. Yeah. Like it, it could, like the way he puts it. For all you know, it could be an '80s period piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so. It sounds like it. Oh, man, it sounds like he's saying it's a sequel, but he was like the writer on like two and three. Yeah. So we're talking RoboCop four here. No, but he. I thought in his quote he says ignore ignoring the sequels, doesn't he? Uh, let's see here. There's been a bunch of other, uh, we're not supposed to say too much. There's been a bunch of other Robocop movies and there was recently a remake. And I would like to say this would kind of be going back to the old Robocop we all love and starting there and going forward. So it's a continuation really of the first movie. Wow. That's so, crazy, man. So, so basically I'm saying uh, like uh, what I'm trying to figure out and Jake, you we're kind of on the same page here. And Dan, uh, let me know what you think. It's, I don't know if this is what they're going to do. Is Are they going to be doing like a Brandon Routh kind of like Superman Returns thing where they're totally negating I've, Superman 3 and 4 and continuing with Brandon Routh, a new actor, but in canon with the original like Superman 1 and 2? So I feel like that's exactly what I took from this, that that's the plan. But is that what they're going to do in the long run of, of, yeah. Yeah. You got to, that's a really, you really got to stick to that. If you're going to do that, like at that point, it's definitely got to be R and it's definitely got to have the social satire. It's the, you know, it's, it, yeah. It can't just be another RoboCop 3 at that point. You really got to go for it. So, okay, it definitely sounds like we're getting an R rating. If he's talking about going back to the old school RoboCop, it's got to be an R rating. And I think like with movies, like with Logan and Deadpool and even the first two Expendables movies doing so well with that R rating, I think it I think that they're going to do that. I think they'll go all out with that R rating. Yeah, I like this because I like the idea of not seeing the RoboCop origin for the third time Dude, in my lifetime. I'm right where with you, and I think I think it should be set in the 80s, don't you? I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. I, I think X-Men had a lot of fun with that, and yeah. I think RoboCop could be even crazier. Dan, what are you thinking, man? I mean, we're getting like an R-rated Hellboy, now like another R-rated RoboCop, man. This is – what are you thinking? I, I – 
absolutely fucking love RoboCop 1. Yeah. And I oh, I really love RoboCop 2. And yeah. I, uh, as much as lots of people slammed on it, I love Starship Troopers as well. Oh, I do too. And yes. Yeah. I know, man. It, Thank you. And it, it, like, just like RoboCop, Starship Troopers was kind of, people kind of, a lot of people didn't kind of understand what Paul Verhoeven was going for. And like, they didn't understand that it was like a, a satire piece and there's a lot of like comedy in it. And, if that's what they're going for now, I am a hundred percent behind this. Yeah, I really am because that's what I want. I want. I, it's we kind of like missing, like like you were saying, man. Like with like Logan and Deadpool, but especially like Deadpool, you can have like satire and comedy in an R-rated movie, and people like nowadays they 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 tend to understand that. So without all this like redone redux bullshit that we got in the last robocop movie if they go back to what it was like you know they're telling a, a great story with a lot of violence <laughs> fair yeah, enough yeah but it, it's all just kind of like uh, it's kind of difficult to say that violence is fun um but you know in robocop it, there's bits of that where you just laugh your head off like where the guy comes out of the acid tank and he's like all dripping and the car hits him and he explodes and just i, I absolutely love those films so oh if, God, if that's they, what they're they, going for when they, when they shoot it. his arm off and shit yeah, yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's it's just so crazy uh, and just like starship troopers man yeah. like the whole like what paul verhoeven was trying to put across was like this kind of kind of like lust for violence yeah it's he's kind of funny and and you know like the, i think the he does in total recall too yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, it's it's just like his mo. And do you know? Do you know? If that's what they're going know, for. I'm I'm fucking in. I am in hundred percent. Do you know Paul Verhoeven directed Showgirls? Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. 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 What, oh, do you and, know uh, the story? And, Why did he go by Jan Jansen? Was it because he was embarrassed of the actual movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it's one of those things where he did a pin name because his style of movie is such a recognizable style of movie by that point. Or it's like yeah. maybe he was going for a different audience than what his name would all of a sudden bring to the table. Yeah, I've, I don't know. I've kind of wondered that. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was going to say as well, Robocop 2 was actually directed, and this is going to blow your dick off, by Irvin Kirshner. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fucking right. Empire Strokes yeah. Back, no less. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a legendary series. It's, you know, like one and two mainly is what I'm thinking about, but it, it's brilliant. And I mean, like my brother always says about how the scene where um, he goes back to his house and you know like all those memories replay in his head and stuff yeah. like that that's serious that's some serious shit yeah but it's all interspersed with like very very funny moments and and like the fucking adverts on the tvs just they're so good that like, newcomb like the board game yeah <laughs> things like that yeah yeah like, great i'd movie. buy that that's for a classic. dollar what was oh, that? I love that. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, exactly. You know, people yeah. quote that. People quote that on the leftover army page every damn day. Yeah, yeah. And we, we all do it. It's uh, it's all an right. absolute classic. So, okay. Some people probably think it's just Smash TV. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say we're not getting Verhoeven back. Uh, who directs no. this? Who directs it? Who do you want? Who do you want? Who's your choice? Who's your choice? Oh, man. Dream director for Dream RoboCop. Dream director for RoboCop. I, I, have, I have two. That I would that I could throw out. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Robert Rodriguez. That's my it. guy. I've got it right here yeah. in my notes. That's my number one. Yeah. I was gonna say Rodriguez or Tarantino. 
Rodriguez that's is my number one. Number two is James Mangold, who directed Logan. So I would love to see him have another crack at another character with another R rating. You know, because like yes. I saw what James did with a PG thirteen rating with Wolverine, and I did not like the Wolverine. But once they gave him, they gave him basically free reign with that R rating and let him do Logan. I I loved it. So yeah, my my choices were Robert Rodriguez and James Mangold. I think Mangold's a good pick. Rodriguez sits a little bit higher for me. I think based on the the comedy satire element, that he's we my also number one for sure. Now he's my number yeah, one. Yeah. I have I have Robert Rodriguez listed one and James Mangold too. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, Dan? Who would you have? Uh, like I said, man, it was uh, Rodriguez, Rodriguez or Tarantino. Oh, Tarantino. But I mean. But Rodriguez, like you're saying, dude, like with like uh, Planet Terror and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he's he's right there. He's right in that comedy, ultra violence, yeah. you know, yeah. satire bit. So that's a really good shout. Yeah, yeah. James Mangold, I, I liked what he did with kind of like incorporating Shane into the movie of Logan. You know that yeah. western. I also like how he took like you know um, kind of. Uh, he incorporated X-Men comics into the movie too. So I thought that that was kind of cool, but I, but still, even with those, those creative choices, I still got to put Robert Rodriguez as number one. That would be awesome. Who would star as Robocop? Who would fill the shoes of Peter Weller as Robocop? Uh, Jake, I lost you. I'm losing you. You actually gave us this. There you go. You're back. You can't hear me. You're back. You're back. Okay. You, you, okay. You gave us this a while ago yes. and I've been thinking a lot about it. And then it was just yesterday that I actually saw the story that this was going to be like it is, like possibly RoboCop, you know, one and a half. Yeah. And that really kind of altered my thinking because then it's like, okay, now I'm casting, you know, him. Now I'm trying to put that guy, the Brandon Routh, like you said. Yeah, yeah. For the Superman. And that I'm so terrible at casting. I got it. Can I give it? Can I give it to you? Yeah. Mads Mikkelsen, guys. Oh, right. God, he's got the mouth, right? Dude, that's so he's good. He's got the lips. Yes. My oh, that God, is so good. Wow. Mads, <laughs> shit. Mads fucking Mickelson as RoboCop, dude. Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. And I'd love to see him as like a hero character for once as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of playing the bad guy, like, well, all the Rogue, time, that would Rogue be One. Cool. <laughs> That'll be skeezy Robocop. Well, we saw, <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, we saw him in Rogue One. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, that's true. So Mads there, though, he helped yeah. build the Death Star. <laughs> well, he also did give it to, uh, give it his uh, give it the uh, Achilles heel. Oh, I shouldn't say yeah. that right now. Oh, that's a Spoilers, choice of words. <laughs> but um, no, um, who would you guys cast? I you guys don't have to answer this one if you don't have any choices. But the, I think this is a tough role to fill too. Ann Lewis, Officer Ann Lewis. You know, um, yeah, this is a tough. It is one. tough. I my choices. I had three choices. Um, Emily Blunt, Jessica Chastain, or Melissa Benoist. Those are my three. Yeah, Blunt came to my mind right away too, but yeah. it's just because we were just talking about Sicario, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who I'd cast in that role. That's a tough one. What do you it think, is. Dan? No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, um, oh, it, that's, it's really difficult, man, because she's played such a pivotal role in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's um, but again, I, I don't want to go for like a name that's like like so well known. It'd be nice to sort of like, you know, bring sort of like a lesser known actress in there to do that role. Oh, I'm gonna go with shit. Um, 
Orby Plaza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd different be interesting. Yeah. Different look, but I mean, you know, like we were saying before, man, yeah. I, I, I want to see her in more stuff. She has the chops, and she can be that. She oh, can God. be like the yeah. heart of the film. So. And if, if the film was directed, you know, by Robert Rodriguez, I'd like to see them two work together. That'd be awesome. Fucking Mads Mikkelsen's such a good show. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's totally blown my mind. It's I know. Awesome. He's perfect, right? He's yeah, really great is. actor and the look. And the look, man. It's the, definitely the look, man. <laughs> So, yeah. Dan, you wanted to talk about some of the new news that's coming out about uh, Good Omens, the miniseries premiering on Amazon Prime sometime this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was watching um, uh, a show called The Last Leg, which is like a current affairs show over in the UK, and they had David Tennant on there. And he came out and he had a load of, uh, like, his hair was crazy, dyed, like, really, like, bright red. And I had no idea what the hell it was about. And then they pointed it out and he said, yeah, I've been filming Good Omens. And I think it's been mentioned on the show maybe, like, very, very quickly. But it was uh, – I didn't remember, basically. And it, it blew my mind because, as some people know, Terry Pratchett is my favorite author. And um, Terry Pratchett co-wrote Good Omens with uh, Neil Gaiman who um, people would know from Sandman and uh, American Gods. And uh, I was actually in the room when Terry Pratchett, you know, God rest his soul, before he passed away, told everyone that Good Omens was becoming a miniseries on TV. And I was the only person in a crowd of about a thousand people that just went, woo, <laughs> as loud as I could. I just, I lost my shit. I love this book. And the fact that it's being made into a, like a miniseries just it blew my mind. And to see David Tennant like talking about it on TV was awesome. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of, uh, like mention this and uh, if anyone's read the book um or if even if you haven't read the book it it good omens is like i said it's co-wrote by pratchett and gaiman and it's about um two angels uh, one of them used to be an angel but he's now a demon and uh his name is crowley and that guy is uh played by david tennant and he's he's a demon and then you have uh, another angel who's called Azarafel, who is played by Michael Sheen, another fantastic actor. And this is going to be a, I think it's going to be a six or eight episode miniseries, which will be airing, they reckon it's going to be 2019 now. So we've got Ooh. quite a way. Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a long way off, man. But I mean, they're filming it right now. They're filming it in England at the moment. And I mean, I've never wanted to, like, get my. Uh, get my extras profile together anything more than I've than this it was like I want to get my headshots put together and I, I would love to be in this movie because it's filming just down the road from where I live oh wow and um I know dude oh my god it, I just, it was so cool to be in this but um yeah it's about uh yeah so these this angel and this demon down earth and they're basically kind of like heaven and hell's kind of I'd say I'm going to use the word custodians for earth they kind of uh they're kind of there to balance things out to keep an eye on humanity until the antichrist is born and and then the end times begin where the four horsemen like turn up and things like that and then the world's going to end uh but they've become far too uh like used to how we live and they're very very comfortable and they're very very comfortable around humans <laughs> i know it, oh, i love it's it abs- that's it's great. crazy it's crazy um 
if you haven't, if anyone hasn't read the book, I recommend that you, you get it on Audible. You get a copy. So they're they're kind of they're kind of yeah. dragging their feet on this, right? Yeah, and in fact, they're dragging their feet so much they actually work together to try and stop this whole thing from happening. Oh, that's a, that's unreal. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, it, yeah, go for it, Jake. I was gonna say it's it's one of my favorite books ever too. I it was actually the very first Terry Pratchett book I ever read, and I was just blown away by it. And it's what caused me to get into all the Discworld stuff after that and everything. And oh man, I'm the premise for this is so great. I can't believe it's taking this long to see an adaptation of this. I think I read this book when I was a sophomore in high school. So it's oh man, I'm super pumped. The casting is great. David Tennant's great for this character. They were they were, they were trying to make it a, a, into a movie back in the '90s with like Johnny Depp, and that just never happened. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually mm-hmm. said that uh, to, to for them to um, the, their dream casting for Azrafel and um, Crowley. They they Terry, uh, Terry Pratchett and um, uh, Neil Gaiman always said that they wanted Peter Sellers to play both parts mm-hmm. so that was that was awesome and it actually turns out that michael sheen and david tennant they often go for the same roles in movies so it just kind of depends which one wins out um that actually gets the role so to have them cast as these two characters is like in like histories you know kind of like in the way things have gone is absolutely perfect and one of the things i saw on twitter that um, Neil Gaiman completely agreed with was someone suggested that if they changed Good Omens into like a like a play like a theatre show, they would have them play ca- play the characters and then the next night they would swap roles because that's how well one amazing these actors are, but also how incredibly similar they are as as people, mm. and that's what um, Crowley and and Azrafel are like. They're, they're they have this very interesting relationship. Um, and there's some amazing scenes in the book which I cannot fucking wait to see. There's there's, there's a bit where uh, Crowley uh, Crowley goes he goes into the phone line, um, and he <laughs> and apparently I watched an interview with with Neil Gaiman today. Um, it was only like a, a few weeks old, and it was um, he was basically explaining how he's he's like in the internet, and whilst he's in the internet and he's doing what he needs to do plot wise, there's going to be like videos of you know cats playing the piano and like <laughs> and like porn just like flying around him whilst he's kind of like trying to he's basically trying to like lock up all the phones in a particular area in like in like the south of London. And, and just to see that realized on TV is going to be amazing. So obviously they've had to update this. Oh, for, yeah. um, That's interesting. The modernization of it. I never even thought of that. Yeah, exactly, man. Because this book was written in, in 89 and it was, I think it was on general release in 91. And so they've obviously had to update things. It's going to be set in around 2007. Um, but basically, so aside from what I've said already, they're trying to stall the apocalypse Antichrist has been born, but and you will find this out in the very, very beginning of the show and of the book. There's a mix-up at the hospital, and the wrong babies, <laughs> the wrong babies get sent to the wrong parents. So one one kid who's completely normal gets sent to this family, which is I think it's like a, a American parents that live in England, <clears throat> and he is supposed to be the Antichrist, but he's not. The actual Antichrist gets sent to this little town called uh, I think it's called Tad. Lower Tadworth, 
um, in Oxfordshire, and he's brought up as a completely normal boy with friends. They live in the countryside, and it's just it's a it's a really interesting story. And so, aside from most characters, you get to see you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We have we have war, and we have death, and we have famine, and then we we were going to have pestilence, but because of the introduction of penicillin, he's now pollution because pestilence <laughs> retired. <laughs> hmm. it, I just uh, I, I cannot wait for this because the adaptations of the other Terry um, the other um, Terry Pratchett things that have come about. So we've had Hogfather, we've had uh, Color of Magic, and we've had uh, Postal as well. Uh, so all of those have, have been. I'm not going to say they've been like absolutely amazing. There was there was brilliant as they possibly could have been on the budget that was was put towards them um but this one i know that terry pratchett and neil gaiman they really really wanted this made so i'm hoping that the budget for this tv show is a lot higher than what they had for the other ones because some of the stuff they have to do in this is absolutely goddamn ridiculous i'm I'm looking at i'm looking at the cast and it's like i'm i'm blown away john ham is going to be playing archangel gabriel um, yep. Derek Jacoby is in this as well. Uh, and Michael McKeon is in this. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's nice. It's yeah. going to be crazy. Wow. Really With is. casting like that, you got to imagine that the budget's there too, or they well, wouldn't even have those. It's people. Amazon, man. They, they, Amazon can, they can open the purse strings if they really want to on this stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I bet they will. I'm excited for this too. Oh, the side story with the uh, Antichrist really cracks me up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you say side story, but there's about three, four different plots which are all going along at the same time, which are all as like pertinent to the story as the rest. So it's 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 like masterfully written, and it's uh, Neil Neil Gaiman is the showrunner on this as well, just so everyone knows. So one of the writers is actually you know the showrun on this whole thing, and um, obviously Terry Pratchett would have been um, a showrunner too, but sadly he passed away so um but yeah i just oh man i cannot fucking wait for this i really can't it's gonna be incredible <laughs> so 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 okay so no if if there was if there was a uh, death match uh between this and uh dirk uh was it dirk holistically totally. yeah like <laughs> this definitely beats that out right uh yeah, yeah. without a doubt uh, yeah, yeah. Side unseen. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books ever. It's, That's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Well, and like you say, man, the cast is fantastic. Well, and, Dan, when um, this when this premieres, uh, I want you on that episode of our show. Oh, 100%, man. I am there. And if you get a – let's say there's an itch and you cannot scratch it and you got to talk about it more – me, I'll do a podcast with you, okay? We'll do a oh. yes. We'll do a Good Omens podcast if you can find the time. So the oh off- my god, that'll be incredible! <laughs> Just letting you know the offer is out there. I would, I will do this for you and only you. So oh wow, oh. thank you so much. I mean, no, oh, if, if if you need that outlet, if you need to talk about it, and you need that outlet, and I I can just tell how passionate you are about it. Um, if you need that, and if we can work out the time, I'll, I'm down. So just let oh, me know. Dude. I'm definitely taking you up on that. Okay. You've been warned. <laughs> All right. You let me know, man. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with um, Dan, too. If you haven't heard this book, I mean, it's. I don't think it'll spoil the series to get this thing on Audible or however you get your audiobooks and check it out. It's a great audiobook as well as a read. Yeah. 
It's a beautiful thing. All right. Good omens, guys. Uh, this next story I want to talk about, it's kind of fucked up. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, <laughs> Cloverfield 3, or as they've been calling it, God Particle, um, is now heading possibly, I don't know, 100%, but I think it's heading to Netflix. Um, Movie Insider Jeff Snyder tweeted this. While at uh, a Sundance Film Festival, he tweeted, Overheard on the ground at Sundance, new Cloverfield movie, maybe heading to Netflix. No confirmation yet, and I'm heading into a movie. Just passing along since the delays have been suspicious. So, um, all we do know about this film is that it's set in, it's set in a space... Okay, so it's the third in the Cloverfield Trilogy. So the first movie was Cloverfield with the big gigantic, you know, kaiju monster attacking the city. The second one was 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is like basically kind of like a post-apocalyptic world where after uh, a, a, a post-nuclear bomb world that they're living in um, where the air is not safe. And then I'm not going to spoil anything if you because you can watch that on Hulu right now, guys. It's on Hulu. Um it's got John Goodman in it, and um, great movie. I loved it. One of our Dan, oh, awesome. Dan Trachtenberg, his first movie that he ever directed, and he just nailed it. This movie is great. Um, all we know about this movie, this third movie that's been rumored to be called God Particle, is that it's set in a space station in Earth orbit. Um, Daniel Bruhl is, is one of the actors in the film. You guys will remember him from Captain America Civil War. He played Zemo. He said this about the film recently to Collider. Quote, I went to UCLA and I met some very brilliant students and scientists there. It was only 2% of the information that I was given by them that I remotely understood. It's based on many interesting ideas about a near future scenario, which is an interesting vision of what could happen or what might happen with the Earth. I'm a bit scared to talk about it because it's so extremely secretive. I'm afraid of ending up in a bad robot prison. So uh, he also added, I was aware of the movies and wanted to enter that that universe that they created. J.J. Abrams is such a mastermind in that genre. It was very attractive to work with all of these wonderful actors. I've always wanted to do a space movie, so I couldn't wait to end up floating in space and solving huge problems. Okay, so now we're hearing about... This rumor that it's gonna, it's not gonna be a theatrical release, that it's gonna be a Netflix release. So there, there are updates to it. Snyder is now reporting on the, uh, on the tracking board that Netflix is in negotiations to acquire the global distribution rights, um, with the exception of China for Cloverfield 3. Netflix declined to comment. And then there was a second update. A post from the Korean classification board lists uh, a Daniel Bruhl starring Bad Robot production submitted by Netflix, adding fuel to the theory that the film will be premiering on the streaming service. So, like, guys, I don't know about you. Um, I, of course, I wanted to talk about the movie a little bit because we don't know a lot about it. But um, why is this not getting a theatrical release? I That's what – what is Netflix throwing at them? Because, like, okay, <clears throat> Dan Trachtenberg's – 10 Cloverfield Lane had an estimated budget of 15 million and it raked in 72 million dollars and it did well critically from what I can remember. I, I just don't understand like the attraction of not putting this in a movie theater and raking in some cash, maybe in a good month, a slow month, but putting it, what is Netflix offering them? I, I just the distribution rights. I don't understand. 
it's very confusing. Like, I agree with you. There's got to be something under the table, some kind of tit for tat going on that we don't know about. It, it's hard saying, but yeah, why not make until this franchise has mm-hmm. a, a failing? Why mm-hmm. not keep making that big old money on those small budgets? Are we going to, is this the beginning of, of seeing a, a relationship with Bad Robot and Netflix? Yeah, hey, that's hey. kind of where I was going with yeah. the tit for tat stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, let's exactly. That's what I'm taking from that is like, hey, let's see how this works out on Netflix. Let's see how this does. Like, guys, honestly, if Bright was like one of the most streamed movies on Netflix, then you gotta damn well know that Cloverfield Three, this God <laughs> Particle movie, is going to go above and beyond that. Like, I want to know what happens in this in the Cloverfield trilogy. Like, where, how does this all connect? You know, I want to see that. I, I haven't been let down by the first two movies. Yeah, I loved Cloverfield. I thought it was great. And then I, yeah, me I, too. I thought Ten Cloverfield Lane was was fantastic. So I, don't I mean, it's gonna it's gonna do gangbusters for definite. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, man, <laughs> yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna break all the goddamn records if it goes on Netflix. And the only thing I can think is that maybe JJ has an idea for a TV show or something like that that he wants to put on Netflix. Because I can't see any logical reason why he would give this to them if, you know, to like you're saying, like mm-hmm. if he was going to put it out in cinemas, it's still going to make millions and millions of dollars. There's no there's no doubt in my mind, especially because Clover, like Cloverfield Lane was so good. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, but it's the pro- weird. The thing I don't like, though, Dan, is like I've seen the other two movies in the theater. You know, yeah. So I wanted to, I want to be able to have the chance to see the third one in the in the theater. I, I yeah, you know, definitely. I enjoy it. Just like set in space, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was going to say no, the no, same no, thing. It's, it sounds like it's going to be visually epic. Yeah. Why the hell would you want to watch it on at home? Right. That's like that's like Gravity. You know, being released. You know, on on like Netflix or something. Like, come yeah. on. Ugh. Yeah. No. I mean. Part of part of the my love for you know uh, that film was the 3D experience that I had seeing it in the theater, and you can't recreate that at home. You just can't unless unless you're a millionaire and you have you know uh, your own like home. a home cinema. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know. I, I don't. I I'm. I think it's. I think it's interesting that I would love to see Bad Robot maybe have a relationship with Netflix. I think that that's fantastic. But as far yeah. as like not being able to see this in the theater, I hope that's not the case. I hope that they actually give us the choice, like kind of like what they did with Beasts of No Nation to where like you could either watch it streaming on Netflix or if you wanted to go down the street and watch it at the theater, you could. They give us, you know what I mean? But yeah, give us the choice. Yeah, I think I do think it'll be a Netflix exclusive. I do think that it will be shown for at like like film festivals for critics. They'll get to see it on the big screen, and then we'll get to hear them gush about how it was amazing (laughs) on the big screen, and they wish everyone could see it that way. But then here I am watching it on my sixty inch. So you know, whatever. But. I don't know. I don't. It's, <laughs> these are these are things that bother me, Jake. I, I, I no, I agree. That's a, I'm laughing because I, I feel completely the same way. Yeah. It's, oh, everyone else gets to see it on the big screen at the film festival. Yeah. But we get to see it. 
yeah, fuck you. And they, <laughs> no, and I feel it's great that they had the chance to see it on the big screen, but you know, what about the rest of us that, that are, that are, you know, we're cinephiles that want to see it in the fucking theater. So it, it will be an interesting experiment if they go ahead and do what you hope for, Brian, where they give people the choice to do both. Yeah. Because it'll kind of be the first time we've seen that applied to a franchise movie like this. And it'll be interesting to see what the theatrical take would be if people can sit at home and still watch Cloverfield 3. Yeah, and, and none of this none of this shit of like, oh, we're going to release it in theaters like a week early or two weeks early. You know, they're not going to inhumans this thing. They're just going to release them both at the same time, and we'll see how that plays out. I don't know. Because yeah, I, I want to see that. I, that's yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, that would be interesting to see how that works out. And then, yeah, it, but you'll never know exactly what the exact box office haul would be because it's just so easy to watch Netflix, you know? So Yeah, it, it, you, well, you'll see a little bit of the takeaway, though, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, you, you, you know, if the second movie did – you know, if it made $72 million on a $15 million budget, we can kind of, like, see, like, I, man, I don't even know if it would, like, it, if it would break even, you know? Yeah, I don't even, yeah. If it that, wasn't that's crazy. For, yeah, if it wasn't for Netflix actually just, you know, basically purchasing it, so. Anyway. Yeah, and I, okay. can, I feel people, though. You already pay 12 bucks a month. Why are you going to go pay another 12 to see the same thing? Yeah, I'm, see, I'm just, I, I would use my movie pass to go check it out. So, you know, cause like I want to see it in, in the theater. There, there's certain things that you don't get at home when you watch, <laughs> when you watch things. So, um, you know, there's like things in the audio that, that are missing when you watch it at home. You know, like people that, people that have like, people that, oh God, people that live close to like a Dolby Atmos theater, I am so <laughs> jealous of you. Like when I went, when I went down to Texas and, and, um, me and Basil Terabishi saw, Captain America Civil War in the Dolby Atmos Theater. It was incredible. And, you know, like, I'm never going to get that experience again. You can't, I don't care what speakers you have at home. You're not going to get that experience uh, at home. Um, so, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where a lot is kind of like lost by the time you, you, you're watching it on your, you know, 60 inch Panasonic TV with your, you know, home theater in a box system or whatever the fuck you got. So, yeah, I'm just going to say, do you guys know much about the kind of story behind this of, as like to, is it, was it written to be the, the third movie in the, in like the Cloverfield trilogy? Cause I know for a fact that the second one wasn't, was it? It was a script that JJ Abrams read and he basically spoke to the writers and bought it and said we want this to be like you know the sequel to cloverfield or the spiritual sequel to cloverfield yeah they kind of like added the cloverfield in there so that it would sell they they they, they knew that they had a good movie on their hands yeah. but they felt like if they put cloverfield in the title that it would that it would get out there a lot more so, yeah, because yeah. I'm just wondering if it's the same thing with this, because, I mean, the the director is Julius um, Honor, who I've never, ever heard of. And I was just looking at, like, his, you know, his filmography, and I don't think I've ever seen anything that he's ever done. 
So I was just wondering whether or not there was anything like that going on. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, yeah, but, um, but the cast as, for this is absolutely ridiculous. As far as I know, Dan, God Particle for the past like year, year and a half that we've been kind of talking about it, it feels like it's always been connected to this Cloverfield universe, if I had to take a guess. So yeah. I agree with Brian. It feels like after Cloverfield Lane, they kind of got this idea of doing this anthology series. And from there, it was more of a directive than a movie takeover. Yeah. It's just, it's just odd. I just sort of, I'm just looking at the, you know, the cast and the crew. I just sort of figured, oh, I, like, I'm kind of flummoxed. I don't really know what the hell's going on because yeah. you've got this unknown director and then you've got all, like, the, the cast is crazy. Like you're saying, you've got Daniel Brühl, um, Elizabeth Debecki, uh, Zizi Yang, um, David Oyello. It, it's, it's nuts, the people they've got signed up for this. Yeah. So, it's, it's, um, and, to put it on Netflix just I seems know. crazy I, right now. Yeah, I I didn't have, like, you know, I, I guess it started last year with, with Netflix, really. I mean, Netflix had Okja, which had, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tilda Swinton. and Yeah, and that like, was good as well. And it was, and it was like, okay, but, like, this is already an established theatrical, these are already established theatrical films. We've seen the first two in theaters, and you're going yeah. to end the trilogy on Netflix. And so it's... Know, it yeah. just seems so weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Stranger Things 3. See, uh, Stranger Things Season 3 news. Uh, executive producer Sean Levy spoke with Glamour. Got in <laughs> Started talking with Glamour magazine. This is where we're getting our Stranger Things Season 3 news from Glamour. And I, fashion news. Fashion news. And he gave us some hints. You were talking about Steve's hair. So I got out. No. Um, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> they gave us, gave us some hints as to what to expect in season three. And guys, for me, this was a huge sigh of relief and very unexpected. Uh, these were some of the concerns that I brought up. Uh, after watching season three, I was kind of like worried about where it was going to go. And I don't know. I'll just read this. It says the good news is that the Duffer brothers and, and Levy have already planned out all of the storylines for season three. Quote, we're there. Levy tells us it'll be an eight or nine episode season. The number of episodes will be dictated by the amount of story that excites us. We know we now know what is going to happen in season three to every character. Now that the season storyline has worked out, they're in the process of figuring out the specific details of each scene in each episode. Uh, while Levy is hesitant to reveal more beyond that, he will say that Will Byers is in need of a break after last season's trauma from the aftermath of the Upside Down. Quote, we're going to give Will a break. We're not... <laughs> We're not going to put Will through hell for a third season in a row. He'll be dealing with stuff, but he won't be at rock bottom the way we forced the amazing Noah Schnapp to play. Of course, after battling the Shadow Monster, one would assume Dustin or Hopper might be next in line to suffer the consequences. Quote, you might assume that, Levy teases, but you would probably end up being wrong. We're going to be dealing with forces of evil that are new. I love everything that I'm hearing here. Everything I'm hearing here. Now, I did, I was worried that I, I was actually worried, you know, that we we're going to have the same shit from the same monster from like last season trying to tap into Eleven, 
right? Yeah, the mind, the mind flare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me the too. Flare. Boring. The mind flare got a taste of like how powerful eleven was, and so like, why would you not want to, you know, tap into eleven and like use her as a weapon against them? And I just was like, if they fucking do that, I'm out. Like, this is that's just stupid. And like, what I'm hearing here is like, they're giving Will a break. Fantastic, cool. Let him just be one of the boys. And now we're gonna get a new evil. This is great. This is great news. Yeah, that is great. I wonder if we're gonna step away from the old evil and and come back to it at a later time. That's what, what needs to is. be done. If they're gonna stretch the series out, and they were talking about how many seasons? Five, maybe. So Whoa. yeah, was it five? I knew it was five or six. It felt like so. That sounds about right. Yeah, and it's, so if they're going to stretch it out, we have to have they have to introduce something new. You would imagine, and and it makes sense that they would have to come back to it, Jake, because like that that looming evil is not gone. You know, she just yeah she exactly just, yeah she it, just they can... she just shut that world off for the time being, right? She just pushed it back. So yeah, it's all going to crescendo back later. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Levy also addresses my favorite part of season two. Uh, which was the Dustin and Steve friendship, and he said in season two it was all very cute, and there was a funny, uh, funny factor to it because it was unexpected. But now that it is expected, I want to see them connect more and be more familiar with each other. I want them to have a connection like they've really had a connection for a year, like they're brothers. Um, <laughs> I and so um, yeah, it's. Uh, they go on to talk. That's about, awesome to know they kept it going. Yeah, that's what I love. See, that was my one of my favorite parts about season two was the fact that you know um, Dustin uh, has like this older guy that he kind of like looks up to, and 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 Steve actually takes on like that that role. And so the other quote that they have here is he's never had that. So I feel like Steve is definitely someone in that sense who could be that person to him. So. I, I'm loving it, man. Everything I'm, I'm everything I'm hearing here. They also talk about Billy and Mrs. Wheeler having that attraction for each other, and that might get explored in the third season. <laughs> so, oh, whoa, yeah. But they're also talking about that it could possibly be that new force of evil that has it happen. So who knows? But um, I, dude, I season three, I am encouraged now. So I am, I am all in. I cannot wait. Yeah, that's great news. Season two was kind of a bummer for me. I mean, I still liked it, but it was nowhere near the magic of season one, in my opinion. So that that's good. Doing new stuff with new bad guys, new villains, and not continuing what was kind of getting a little bit tired already, I think is the way to go. I know, I know for you, it wasn't what you it wasn't like as magical as season one but for me i i loved it there was a lot of things that i really loved in that second season um and i love i love some of the the focus that they gave us in that second season like i could give a shit about nancy and fucking uh norman reedus jr and their relationship you know like i don't give a fuck <laughs> they are the most boring fucking couple steve deserves so much better than her fuck you nancy uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say, yeah. Jake, what what was it about season two that you you weren't too keen on? I don't know. Just the just the whole package. It just did never. I never felt the intensity anymore. I just the first season was just so magical for me, and I felt like the villain wasn't exciting. They overdid showing us the stuff. I think too much compared to the first season. I don't know. It just 
it just didn't do it for me. I thought it was good. It was like a high taste it for me, where the first yeah. season was an ultimate Tupperware. I thought. Do the, you think that the biggest letdowns? Oh, I'm sorry. The biggest sorry. letdowns for me was Hopper in the second season. Really? Yes. Yeah, I liked the Hopper and Eleven relationship in the first half of the yes, season. Yes, and then it kind of went away. But yeah, yeah, agreed. What were you saying, Dan? I cut you off, man. I was just going to say, do you think it's because, you know, when we watched the first season, that whole, it was so instilled and ingrained in like the 80s and they absolutely nailed that kind of Steven Spielberg feel like oh, in the direction. they had it here too, man. Come on. That's what, that's what I'm going to say, man. It's yeah. like they had it, they had it in the first one and we were, because when I watched the first episode, yeah. it blew me away. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it feels like I'm eight watching E.T. again. It was ridiculous. Do you think that it was because that they just got it so right in the in the first season and the second season that that kind of magic has worn off on you a little bit? I don't think it's worn off. I, I don't know. I really felt like this, even though the stakes were written higher, in my mind they were lower. Like there was just – it wasn't this pop culture phenomenon when we first saw it. And so it just, you never know what was going to happen. And it's like, well, now we know this thing is a franchise monster. And it, I felt that during season two, like everything grinded to a halt. I never had any fear for the characters or their safety or what was ultimately going to happen. Um, by the end, when Eleven was doing her thing, it was like there was no drama. It was like, okay, we know she's going to win because we have to keep moving forward. Wow. And I, I never felt that the first season. Like in the first season, in that final episode, I was like up at two in the morning, like you know, tapping my table, like nervous what was going to happen. You know, it was just it's just such a different thing for All me. All right, it's so all, let's say we get to season three, season four. Are we going to have our Cedric Diggory moment, or one of these characters going to die? Yeah, that, yeah was Harry, they, that was my Harry Potter reference. Do, yeah, they need to do something big by three. I don't think they necessarily need to kill someone to raise the stakes, but I don't know. Like, just the villain in season two did nothing for me. And I thought even the characters themselves were making fun of the, the demodogs. And it was just like, oof. Yeah, yeah I know you weren't a fan of those. <laughs> yeah. So, not good. I haven't watched it a second time yet, so. Uh, okay. I'll probably revisit it for three. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's one of those. Yeah, that's what I, I loved the rewatch of the original season right before season two. That was a lot of fun for me as well. So. Yeah, I did. Me and Michelle watched yeah. both seasons back to back in 24 hours. Yeah. Wow. And, um, yeah. And I think that did a lot for me, too. It was like I, I literally saw that first season right before plowing through the second. And it was just like an instant tonal shift to not as good. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about one more thing, and then we're gonna take a break uh, before Marvel news. But uh, I wanted to talk about this really quick. Ro- the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, <laughs> responded to an online troll this week on Twitter who called him out on Jumanji, and The Rock's response was so fucking epic. I gotta just read this, and then we'll go to break. <laughs> this guy at James Jam McMahon tweeted to Dwayne Johnson, "I went to see the new Jumanji." Fuck the new Jumanji. Here's a spoiler. There is no way a character in a video game would lose a life, then be respawned, still in possession of the item required to win. That's some, <laughs> that's some bullshit. What say you at The Rock? Otherwise, it was quite good. To which Dwayne The Rock Johnson responded, actually, my friend, 
in the Jumanji lore handbook, it clearly states in Article 72 of Section 7 that, quote, any character who loses a life shall return to their original state with any item they possessed at the time of their demise, end quote. So, kindly go fuck yourself, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the rock. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> oh, He's the fucking comeback master. Oh man, oh, like, did you, oh, that's brilliant. Did you guys follow that whole like uh, Tyrese and Rock feud? I do. Yeah, I do. That was great. That was really good shit, man. Oh, oh man, wow. Yeah, when he was talking about taking a taking a big shit on, on his, his new album, on his album, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and how's oh the biggest God. waste that he'll never get that time back? <laughs> never get that time life. back. Dude, you can totally tell in his voice he was pissed off at Tyrese. <laughs> oh man, oh, that shit was that shit was real, man. Oh God, I I love uh, man. One of my favorite Twitter things that The Rock has ever done was he dislocates his finger. Have you seen that one? Yeah. And it was I'm filming Fast and Furious, and he dislocates like his little finger, and then he just like goes, "You know what we do with this shit?" And then he just snaps it back into place, and he goes, "We go back to work." And that was it. <laughs> it's just like dislocated finger, oh snaps it back, and then he is back on set. That's, that yeah. guy, that's that wow. WWE show must go on mentality. Yeah, best you know, wrestler ever, man. Work through the injury. You got a job to do. Yep. Oh, God. He's the greatest. He really is. That's just my personal opinion, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're not, no, you're not allowed to have those on this show, Dan. Yes, I know. I <laughs> yeah, get out of here yeah. with that. Yeah. I've told before, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, Marvel News. And it is now time for Marvel News. All right, Marvel News. Uh, I want to start it off with uh, some great news, actually. Logan is nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I think that this is fantastic news. This is great. This is a step in the right direction, boys. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, whatever. High taste it. Yeah, this, this is really cool. At first, I was really confused about this because I was like, it's not really necessarily an adapted screenplay. But I guess technically it's an adaptation of a Marvel Comics character. And it probably had no chance in hell of being nominated for Best Original Screenplay. So I'm fine with this. 
<laughs> is it one of the first like comic book movies to it, get nominated for an Oscar? No, it, it's the first to ever get nominated for something outside of uh, costume it's makeup. The, it's the first ever to be nominated for anything story wise. Yes, um, you know Heath Ledger, of course, won for the his performance, but I think. His death kind of helped that, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, that's my opinion. But, um, but you know, other than like technical things like, you know, makeup and um, special effects, you know, they, they just don't get nominated typically. And so n- this is the first time ever that a comic book movie has been nominated for anything story-wise. So it's kind of a big fucking deal. And so I am, I'm taking it, man. And I'm very, very happy, um, with this. And it, I've actually been quite happy with a lot of the choices, um, for the Oscars this year, except for, I think Michael Stuhlbarg getting, um, kind of, uh, I think he, I think his performance in Call Me, uh, by your name should have been, uh, he should have been in there and they should have taken out, uh, Christopher Plummer for, um, um, all the money in the world. I mean, it, it was a fine performance, but it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't Oscar worthy. And I, I think that they kind of threw him in there because of the age thing. I think that's, that's another thing, but, um, I think, I don't know. I, and, uh, Jessica Chastain seems like she got snubbed in my opinion. Um, but, I was surprised Wonder Woman didn't get any, at least of the uh, production stuff, you know? I don't know. I, definitely not for visual effects. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. But even Suicide Squad got a costume and makeup. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd take out of it to to, to make to include Wonder Woman. And I loved Wonder Woman, so. But I'm fine. I, I think a lot of the – I was very surprised that Get Out got nominated for anything, let alone four things. Um, same thing with Lady, Lady Bird as well, getting nominated for certain categories. I mean you got a horror movie and like these are typically movies that, that, that the, the Academy doesn't look at. So I think some things have changed. I mean I, I, I think it's I, – I enjoy the new more diverse selections this year. Yeah. I was shocked John Williams got the Star Wars nomination. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That really hasn't happened in a long time, yeah. not for any of the prequels. Right. So uh, Hugh Jackman tweeted his reaction, uh, and, he, and he put down, uh, if Hollywood kept statistics for the most assists and nominations slash awards, Mangold would be the league leader. Today he finally got the recognition he deserves. Congrats, brother. So. It's very cool, man. I think it's really cool that uh, comic book movie. And, and I don't know. It, it, that's what has me kind of like worried about like this whole Fox, um, you know, Disney buying out Fox is like we're not we might not get more movies like this. This this might be we might not see, we might not see another Logan, man. You know, it's like. And I'm not saying we're going to see a movie just like that, but I want to see it. You know, like the Marvels, just like the comics. There, there's the Marvel. Um, Marvel had the way that they made their comics, and I feel like there's also a Marvel formula for the movies too, you know. And it's it's a proven formula and it works. But Fox took some risks with that Logan film, man, and um, I applaud them for that. And I think it's it's paying off just being uh, nominated. So good for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge step forward. Yeah, it, it really is. And you know, fuck you, Jodie Foster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Off, awesome. <laughs> I agree. I, I hated that stuff she said. I was like, oh, jeez. 
Go yeah, back no. to Oblivion. Go direct one episode of Black Mirror and disappear, please. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a massive step forward, man. And just to get the the recognition is is absolutely fantastic. And yes, I did high taste the movie. I didn't Tupperware it, but it doesn't doesn't make the first two acts of that movie absolutely beautiful storytelling, characterization, acting. It's it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I'm super happy for everybody involved. Clyder is reporting um, that the Deadpool 2 trailer – excuse me, that – yes, the Deadpool 2 trailer is uh, coming with the theatrical release of Black Panther. (gasps) Oh, shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not that I wasn't hoped enough to see Black Panther in the first place. Now we're getting that as well. Wow. They won't hold to that, though, right? We'll we'll still see it two days before on the internet. Oh no, 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 no! But yeah. absolutely, Jake. I, I I think the thing here, though, is that we know that around that time is when we're going to be getting that trailer. That's when we we can expect to see the actual official trailer. I I think the days of seeing trailers for the first time in the theater are pretty much over. Um, it all releases early now online, but I'd say. Probably that week of, we're going to get the Deadpool True trailer um, dropping on the on the internet for us. So that's that's pretty cool. And that is, is exciting. Is there anything that you guys are really looking forward to seeing in that? Like, you know, just Brolin and his cable or more anything? cable talking and walking. Just talking and walking. <laughs> I I want to see. I definitely want to see some of these action sequences um, that. That you know that I've been following. There's there was a lot of filming going on, and I was watching. I was watching some of the filming, some of the actions and uh, the actions and stunts and stuff like that. I know that there's going to be jokes in the movie. I don't need to have every fucking joke played for me in the trailer, and I don't think I will because the last movie was so chock full of them. But I want to see Domino. I want to see her in an action scene. I want to yeah. see kind of like. What that kid, I can't remember what his name is, but the kid, the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People, I want to see like what his role is in it. I want to see him interact with Deadpool. And of course I want to see Josh Brolin as Cable, man. I, you know, I want to see that. And I, I don't know. There, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I want to see from this movie, but I can't wait for this. It's like that last trailer that came out, the Bob Ross one had some, had some like small clips and things like that, but not really a lot to talk about. No, nothing with the story really. So. I don't know, man. I'm really, I'm really excited for this one, and I want to see uh, more Negasonic Teenage Warhead. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, have you, um, have you, do you like subscribe to the theory that Juggernaut might be in this or not? With the the Bob Ross trailer, where like Deadpool's kind of ruined the painting, and people were trying to work out what he drew, and it kind of looks like Juggernaut. Hmm. Have you noticed that? No, I haven't noticed that. Wow, yeah, that's a like, wild theory. Yeah. I know, but it did, it, you know, it, like, it, it does kind of look like he's drawn like a juggernaut in red on that thing. Um, mm. uh, Julian Dennison is the, the kid you're thinking of as well, yeah, Brian. Yeah. I love that kid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just checked him out on IMDb. His profile picture is hilarious. Oh, no shit. <laughs> check so that out. He's, he's so damn funny. I mean, like, you know, I saw Hunt for the Wilder People after you guys recommended it, and oh man, that guy, he just cracks me up, like everything he does, he's yeah. brilliant. Oh god, so good, so yeah, oh man, yeah, I can't wait. Um, MCU Exchange had a video of Michelle Williams as uh, Anne Wang in the Venom film, as well as pictures of Jenny Slate and Scott Hayes on set, and now MCU Exchange thinks that they know who Slate and Hayes are playing. 
Uh, Jenny Slate's character description matches up with the rumor that we heard a couple months ago that she's like a scientist. Um, and anyway, here's what it says in the article. The photo of Slate was reportedly taken outside the American Cancer Center, which is being used as one of the locations of the Life Foundation, an organization crucial to the plot of Venom. We can confirm that Slate's role in the film will find her working as a scientist named Dora Skirth, who works for the Life Foundation. There had been some speculation online that Slate might be playing Dr. Ashley Kafka, the founder of the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane, where Cletus Cassidy was once kept. As far as we can tell, Skirth is an original character developed for the film, though she turns out to be an amalgamation of several minor characters. I think they're right here. Everything that I heard before this was that her character was going to be um, a scientist. Uh, I remember talking about that on the show and yeah. us not being able to figure out what the, who the hell she could even be. Right, so right. So th- this really falls in line with all that. And you know what? Like, we've had the, the discussion of, like, is Riz Ahmed going to be, you know, Carnage or is it, or is it going to be Woody Harrelson? Like, come on. It's, do you, Woody Harrelson definitely looks like a Cletus Cassidy, right? He looks like a Cletus, right? You're not going to yeah. cast Riz Ahmed as Cletus. Right, I, I do think it's Cletus as a younger guy than Eddie Rock, though. Uh, I would always thought he was a bit older. Oh, really? Yeah, but then he's quite gaunt in prison and stuff, so you know he could be around the same age or younger. Uh, Riz Ahmed is apparently Doctor Carlton Drake. Uh, is that is, well? Is that one hundred percent? That's that's still rumored, right? No, it's not rumored. That's that's like apparently what his character's called. Not not rumored in brackets. We're okay. Hold on. Where are you getting this? If, if you're getting it off of IMDb, like I'm not taking that as like the Bible. So okay, not it, the Bible. Is no, 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 no. I'm asking you. Is that where you got it from? Was IMDb? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes. We cannot. You can't. You yeah. You can't go by that as like the end all be all because they are wrong a lot of times. So oh, I know. <laughs> and they they shift it as the info shifts. Like yes. the next day they hear something new. It all yes. Um, they they you know they're not a hundred percent sure. I think you're probably right, Dan. Like, but at the end of the day, that's who he's going to be. But it's not one hundred percent confirmed. So, but um, yeah, I just I just can't see. I mean, I'm not saying Riz Ahmed can't play. Cletus at all because he's a fucking stellar actor. Sure, but um, it doesn't, would he doesn't definitely... like, come on, he doesn't look like a Cletus. Come on, no. It, it, <laughs> if you're thinking of Cletus Cassidy, you would out of those two guys, out yeah. of him and Woody, you would definitely go Woody. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to be, yeah, I'm just trying to be realistic. Realistic. Uh, just, just dye Riz's hair red and shut up, Dan. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, dude. I reckon he would do a great job. So either way, I'm happy. But, you know, uh, I'm going with Woody for now, for definite. Uh, They're talking about Scott Hayes is going to be a character who's also a part of Life Foundation. So um, Hayes will portray Roland Treese, the founder of Treese International and a member of the Life Foundation's board of directors, along with Carlton Drake, who they are saying is played by Riz Ahmed. But that is still... Not one hundred percent. So um, I don't know. I, but yeah. Uh, did I'm you guys, still worried. Did, well, sure. Um, 
<laughs> I, of course you, yeah, everyone, everyone's worried. I, I don't know, man. It's like there's a lot, there's a lot of good things in this movie though that I think people want to overlook. I mean, we've got Michelle Williams in this film. You've got Woody Harrelson in this film. You've got Tom Hardy in this film. You've got, um, you know, the, the director is the director from Zombieland. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good things that are going on in this movie that people are just, um, still kind of like overlooking i i don't know we'll we'll see how it turns out i, I want to see that first trailer um i i want it to be like a, i do want it to be like it and it's r-rated too dan it's r-rated we're getting oh, the I, know. I know i've been following this very very closely i just i want to see <laughs> i want to see a scene like if you could just give me a fucking teaser trailer of uh tom hardy and we see him like in his like in his like uh uh, militaristic gear that he's, cause that's what we're gonna get. And we see him in that, and we see him like, I don't know, like in a basement, and the lights are flashing. They're going on and off. And then all of a sudden, like, we see him, and then when the lights come back on, we just see fucking venom, you know? Like, <sighs> and his face, like his mouth's open like a shark, and he's just getting ready to kill somebody. And then you see gunshots and firing and shit, and then that's the end of the fucking trailer. I'm in, man. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm in. Let's, like, let's do this. So. I can't yeah. believe, I mean, I haven't had much of a chance to talk about this, like, on the show or anything, but as, as a lot of people know, Venom is my favorite comic book character of all time. I, I've, I've loved him since I started reading comics. And in my wildest dreams, I could have never have even hoped for, a, for an actor like Tom Hardy to play my favorite character. Mm-hmm. But, I, but, even though Tom Hardy is, is Eddie, I'm still concerned. I mean, now we've had the rumors of Tom Holland coming in as Peter Parker. Just, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, just rumors. I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, the rumors that that did pet me up because I listened to you guys last week and yeah. I was like, oh my God, if, if that actually happens, it would be, it would be incredible. But it's only rumors. And I've always been told that, or I've, what I've read and I've, what I've heard is that he's not going to be anything to do with it. So I just worry. I don't worry about Tom Hardy at all. I think he's going to do an amazing job, but I just worry about like the connection and the, like the origin of, of Venom and where the hell he comes from. It's just going to be just so weird if, if Spider-Man's nothing to do with it. Cause then it doesn't make any damn sense. I think that, I think that we're going to find out that this character, um, Slate's character or, Riz Ahmed's character, they're going to be the one that creates the symbiote in this lab. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that that's where they're, that's where they're going to go here. Yeah. So. I know it's the, the, the thing that I worry about is that, you know, where does Venom get his powers from? Which mm. are all the same as Spider-Man's, you know, it doesn't make any, <laughs> doesn't make any sense without the symbiote actually being on Spider-Man and taking his powers from the first place. Ah, oh, it's so scared. I have no idea how scared I am. I know you're you're more scared than anybody because you love I the really character am. so much, and that that makes one hundred percent to me. Uh, that makes one hundred percent sense to me that you will be more critical on this film than the average fan, you know, because you're you're, you're such a big fan. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm terrified, but yeah, but like you know, I mean, we've got some really great news coming out of this, man. Like. They've got some great stunt choreographers for this one that have been, you yeah. know, that, 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 that have, <laughs> that have been in Hollywood and been doing it, uh, for other films and have been just, just doing a great job. So I don't know, man. I, I, 
I think we're going to get, I, I have a good feeling that I hope the story's there. I really do. But I have a feeling that we're going to have a, at least a movie with some great action, some great memorable action scenes, which I, I can't wait for. Cause I, that's what I love. That's what I miss about like old school, like fucking action films is like Terminator 2. You can go back and watch Terminator 2. And I can tell you like every action set piece in that movie is so memorable. Every, oh, every, yeah. every single, every single action set piece. And that's, I think that's a lost fucking art, but I think like some of the, <clears throat> some of the, like, you know, if you get like, um, like the, like the, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, those guys that did the action in that, and it, those are memorable scenes too. Like Cap in the fucking elevator, dude. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? That, 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 that's an amazing, amazing action sequence. And you're telling me that some of the action stunt guys from, you know, uh, Winter Soldier are going to be doing the, the Venom film? Oh, man. All right. All right. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got, man. So. Yeah, I agree with that, Brian. I mean, it could definitely be a plot like shit fest. But yeah. at the end of the yeah. day, I still think there's going to be some redeeming things out of this movie. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to have some great acting here with Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. I, the, the biggest thing is the story. Can they get the story right? Okay. I, I, I totally get that. But I think we're going to have some great action. I, I'm i looking forward to this one. I'm, 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 I'm trying to stay optimistic here. I think it's really, really easy to be pessimistic about this film. And I'm trying, I'm really trying to stay optimistic with this one because I really, I really want it to be a good film. And I guess wish in one hand and shit in the other to see which which one fills up first, but I, I hope it's good. So we'll see. Yeah, Um, me too, man. It'd be lovely if it was good. Uh, let's look into some of the rumors for Avengers 4 that have, um, that, that actually I've been purposely avoiding until we got some sort of confirmation now. I, we don't have 100% confirmation for this, but I wanted to talk about it anyway. It's the rumor of time travel in Avengers 4. So apparently there's set photos showing characters with devices on their hands. And a lot of people have been saying, like, oh, it's time travel related. They're going to be traveling through time. Now, I don't have 100% confirmation, like I said, but Digital Spy had an article about this. And it went on to say a popular theory as of late has been that the film will be some sort of time-traveling adventure supported by the appearance of set photos featuring a long-haired, hammer-wielding Thor, a young, not-dead Agent Carter, and other uh, anachronisms. Uh, So then Joe Russo talked with MTV's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and said that a Captain America Civil War scene offers a plot hint at Avengers 4. This is from Screen Rant now. Joe Russo suggests that Marvel knew Avengers 4 set photos were going to make their way online, saying, quote, it's interesting because photos always leak, and there's lots of conjecture about what those photos mean. Indeed, it has already come to light that some of the leaked Avengers 4 set photos may be fake and were taken by a photographer for the purpose of misleading fans. Perhaps more intriguingly, however, Joe Russo then adds that fans would be wise to rewatch Civil War. He says, certainly there is a five-minute sequence in Civil War around a piece of technology that was laid out, that was laid in for a very specific reason. If you go back and look at the film, you may get a hint as to the direction. So the most likely candidate is Tony Stark's, they call it... 
barf tech? Barf. Yeah. <laughs> the initials the initials stand for binary augmented retroframing, uh, a virtual reality system shown at the beginning of Civil War. This seemed to be a touching character moment, revealing Tony's guilt over the death of his parents all those years ago. It seems that scene may have served a twin purpose, establishing technology that would be vital to the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Significantly, others other Avenger Four set photos have suggested the barf technology will figure into the film storyline. So instead of time travel, it could be characters using this tech. This was, you know, like Captain America using the tech. And that's why we see uh, Agent Carter again, um, you know, um, and then they talked about Thor, I guess, with long hair. And then um, he might even have both eyes for all we know. So I don't I don't know. That's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. Having the same connective tissue with the Russo brothers moving from Civil War to this movie and kind of we kind of already knew that was the case and i'm sure they did too to you know build those connective tissues right then and there yeah so maybe that is true yeah i i think it is true i really do um they tried to say that there's also like a picture of a cable in the new deadpool 2 film wearing a device on his hand that looks similar to like the device on the leaked photo sets for avengers 4 uh, and they were oh. trying to make that connection that that's how they're going to bring him in. It's all, you know, cable, the time traveler and all that stuff. But if you look at it, if you look at it, they aren't the exact same thing. So I don't know if you look at it close enough, they, they look similar, but they look enough different that it's not the same thing. So, yeah, um, I mean, you can't think that like with all like the, the merger going through and everything that they they were thinking of that before <laughs> the merger actually happened. That yeah. They've written that into the, the yeah. plot of no. Avengers 4. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barf is now. <laughs> keep in mind, guys. I'm talking about like this uh, barf technology being used in Avengers Four, not Avengers Three. Um, the Russos are not letting out a lot of information about Avengers Four. They said we're gonna sit on that until we feel the time is right and when people have absorbed the first movie enough. Apparently, there's a lot that's going to go down in this movie that we're going to need time in order to absorb it. And that also means that they're not going to release the title to Avengers 4, I'm sure, until after Avengers 3 Infinity War has been released. So got to think about that as well. Um, they also added that they didn't film any fake scenes to throw off the media of spoilers. Quote, we're too tired to shoot anything that's not going in the movie. So, like, as soon as they said that, like, the quote, first off, they could be lying. But secondly, it had me worried, like, too tired. Like, have they been burnt out like other directors have? You know, and we've seen, like, Joss Whedon get burnt out by doing the Marvel films and have, you know, and, you know, so I was, they also were on Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and they said, our relationship with Marvel has been one of the strongest creative relationships we've ever had in our careers. We're really proud of these movies that we've been able to make with them and we've had an amazing time doing it. We haven't talked about doing anything beyond these movies simply because we still have a mountain to climb with these two films. The one thing we've always, we've really admired about Kevin Feige and Marvel is that they have a very, even though they're building an interconnected narrative through many, many films over the years. They have a very disciplined one movie at a time attitude as well, which I think is very, very helpful to the creative process of fashioning the individual film. So we're basically really focused on what we're doing now, but we would certainly be open to working with them. So they're not done. I mean, I think they're done with the event films. Like I don't think 
and I think they've kind of alluded to this. Like, I think they're done with like Avengers. I think like they're done after these two movies. They're done with like the big flagship Avengers films. But I think that they would come back and do like maybe like another Cap movie, you know, or or maybe like even the Black Widow film could be a Russo brothers movie. So yeah. I agree, Brian. They can't overdo it anyway, or we'll be oversaturated. I think they gotta they gotta build up again. It's gonna be another decade before yeah. they can build up to this, yeah. you know, yeah. point again. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just, it just it doesn't baffle me because obviously these guys are very, very good at what they do. But like the Russo brothers, man, like they're like that catalog of things that they've done, and then now they're doing like the flagship marvel movies it's just it's so weird that <laughs> that they're doing some of like the biggest budgeted movies that are coming out at the moment which have got the most pressure on them you know these guys have got their history in tv and everything i just think it's amazing it is amazing i mean we've seen I, I don't know this is a thing in hollywood that they're doing and they're taking chances on some of these guys sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we've seen josh trank have a meltdown um, yes, <laughs> you know, but, but we have seen it work with like the Russo brothers. Um, you know, like even Joss Whedon, like, you know, he got his chance with Avengers and it worked. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm going back and talking last week about, um, the, the flash, the new flash directors that might be signing on the, you know, um, oh, I can't remember their names right now. Um, but, uh, those guys are coming from comedy backgrounds and, you know, I, let's give them a chance. Let's see. Let's see what they can do. They, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they can do. So, I don't know. Yep. Show me what you got. Yeah. One thing that kind of disappoints me about all the news, though, like I really do want to see the big Avengers like time travel thing happen. Like that just feels like a must. You always got that in the comics all the time. It is disappointing that it's going to be purely a Thanos thing and there's going to be no mention of Kang the Conqueror in any of the saga. Dude, we could be. I think that, I don't know, I think that that could be like where the next phase is going is is, is time travel and stuff and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, that would be really cool. Man, I would well, think my about brain it. brain would explode if what's, they revealed Kang to be the big villain of Avengers 3 at the end. What's the big um, at the event, I, at the Avenger, I'd say Four, we're still dealing with Thanos, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. by the end of four, I mean. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just think about how many other Marvel events that they could that they could do. You know, I mean. So we'll see. I know that. I think it feels like, like we're, feels like we're getting low. Like the, as far as the big name ones go, it's like Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like <laughs> they're they're definitely having a focus with like cosmic shit too like with james gunn taking over like their cosmic universe so yeah it feels like secret invasion could be a thing after mm-hmm. Cap- captain marvel that's yeah absolutely absolutely um there was a avengers infinity war prelude comic that came out on wednesday and it doesn't give away it doesn't give away a lot but it does i mean there were some things that that came out in the comic that uh, are going to be important going into the infinity war film and i kind of wanted to go wanted to go over some of these things um hawkeye is officially retired from the avengers so wow something uh of course he's going to come out of retirement for this battle of course (laughs) 
but that's that's the state of of his character going into this prelude comic. Um, Shuri, the Black Panther's sister, is working to cure the Winter Soldier of the Hydra brainwashing. So apparently, it, and it's also learned that the the final scene in Civil War where um, they bring the Winter Soldier when they take Bucky to Wakanda, like that doesn't happen like right right then and there. Like Bucky, they actually had him for like two to three weeks before they took him there. So I don't know if they took him to Stark, and Stark was like, I. I Guys, I don't know. I can't do this. And that's when they take him to Wakanda. So I think that that's kind of cool. That is cool. It'll be interesting if we see any of the Bucky stuff at all in the Black Panther movie as an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Do, you, do you think Bucky's going to, like, burst out of his, like, you know, cryostasis at the end and and, and help Black Panther at all? Or do you I, think they're going to, like, keep him I under I think wrap? if we see it at all, it'll be post-credits. Okay. I hope so. I don't. I wouldn't mind. I don't know. I think. I think you're. I think you're right, though, Jake. I think it would be post credits if we do see anything, or you know, just like, or just like it might be like a throwaway line that Shuri's working on it. You know, he might just. We yeah. might not even see Bucky. Um, Shuri. You know, like somebody might come up there and be like, "How's that coming along?" Oh, it's yeah. I'm still working on it. So I agree with that. There's yeah. definitely more than a zero percent chance we're going to get either a mention or sight of them. Though. Yeah, yeah, definitely a post credit scene could be. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch have been seeing each other in secret for some time. Uh, Vision uses a human-like version of himself, so I'm guessing that they can be in public together. But like, yes, they have been seeing each other. So by the time we get to uh, Infinity War. Uh, that relationship has already been blossoming. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what we had suspected on a previous episode. Yeah. I think that you kind of like more alluded to that, thinking that that, that was going to happen. And and I, 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 I did agree with you that that's probably the way they were going to go. But I kind of wanted to see it happen. But I understand for time's sake, you know, they get, you got to move things along. So, um, yeah. Tony is building a new suit that he hopes can take on Thanos alone. It's his most powerful suit to date. So we don't know what the suit does. We don't know the suit's powers. Um, some people are thinking that it's it's the suit of all. Like it's 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 like his prime suit. It's it can turn into anything. Um, it can turn into like the the Hulkbuster. It, it can basically it does everything. Um, so can I ask you a question, Brian? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you see any of the pages from this comic? Yeah, I saw a few. Yeah. I just, I'm curious with all this information, how this information was presented. Was it just like, uh, we're checking in with each of these characters? Oh, I didn't get to see, I didn't get to read the whole comic, man. I just saw like, I just saw a few of the panels and things like that. So at the beginning hmm. of it, like when, when, um, I think Hawkeye is in a group with, uh, with the Avengers and he's, they're talking, you know, they're kind of like joking about his retirement and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, you do see like, uh, the vision and Scarlet Witch holding, like, I think like, they're walking next to each other. I don't know if they're hand in hand, but like, I, you know, I just got to see a few panels cause I haven't read this comic, unfortunately, but, um, I don't, I don't, okay. I, no yeah, big. I was just curious. It was just a, a wealth of information. Like, was it like a full 22 page comic? 
as far as I know, I, I'm like again, like I'm saying, like I, I haven't read it. I kind of had to go through the media outlets and and um, do some research on actually what went into the comic. So uh, I didn't even know it was coming out. To be quite honest with you, so um, I would imagine that it was a 22 page comic, but I, I again, I don't know. Okay. Uh, okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot on that. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the. I get my com- I I get my comics once a month through uh through a subscription service. They they ship them to me, and I didn't even know that this comic was coming out. So this was kind of like one of those things when I'm doing research for the show. There, people are you know different media outlets like comic book resources. They're talking about like this comic book that came out, and so of course I wanted to know like kind of like where our characters are gonna be. By the time we get to the Infinity War, but um, uh, that's cool. Just like Marvel to put out a really important comic book like this with zero to no fanfare <laughs> to actually give a shit about the comic industry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I haven't been. I haven't had my ear to the ground when it comes to a lot of the new Marvel stuffs coming out. Anyway. I'm just saying. I mean, this it got a bunch of media hits for yeah. all the information. You think they, it would have been nice to get those local comic book store hits? Yeah. Yeah, I was watching Sci-Fi. I actually posted this uh, on a couple different uh, Twitter, uh, a couple of my different Twitter accounts that I have. I was watching Sci-Fi Channel the other guy and uh, other night guys, and they had a commercial for DC Comics. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I they, was, should, they should have a commercial for this comic. That, book. That's hey, find out what's going on between the two movies. Go exactly. get this. Exactly. Exactly. I agree, man. And I <sighs> was just like, I was. I had to pause my TV and rewind it and watch the commercial again because I was in disbelief that I – and it's not a long commercial, but I was still in disbelief that I had just seen a comic book commercial on Sci-Fi Channel. I was just like, it was, it was awesome. It was obvious it was for comic books. Oh, too. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're telling you to go to your local comic shop to pick up these new titles. That's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, I probably would have weeped in front of my TV. Oh yeah, uh, you, you guys, make sure you go to your comic shops to get Immortal Man number one. Get uh, to get this book, to get this book, to get this book, and I'm just like, wow, this is fucking awesome, awesome, good job. So, <laughs> what alternative reality did I just wake up in? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, it was <laughs> sci-fi. I was playing Tomorrowland, uh, and so that George Clooney movie that bombed. Yeah. The Disney yeah, that I hate. Yeah, which which they're also saying that that movie killed the chances for the tr- – Jake, we talked about this, that Tomorrowland killed the chances for Tron 3. Yeah, yeah. And they, and the, the, all the media outlets were confirming that, they think, this week, that that's what killed it was Tomorrowland's performance. So, yeah. Not surprising. Hey, Lindelof wrote that movie too, who I absolutely adore. Oh, and, yeah. oh I fucking hate that movie. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, check this out. Gwyneth Paltrow was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and Colbert asked Gwyneth Paltrow this about her character of Pepper Potts going into the new Infinity War film. He said, is there any chance at any point when you were working on the movie, did you thrust your hand towards someone wearing a blue suit with a ping pong ball on it? And she said, <laughs> She said yes, and Colbert said, "Then you still have powers." So, at the end of <laughs> Iron, I think it's at the end of Iron Man three, they tell you that Pepper Potts has been they they've cured her of the extremist virus and she has no more powers left. Um, if this if we're to believe this, this means that going into Infinity War, Pepper Potts might still have her powers, or they might be laden. They might, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that if 
they want to get her back in a suit at some point and just have everyone doing everything. Well, hold on. We've already heard about this all-female movie that they might be doing, right? Do you think that this could, like, do you think that they might be offering, this might be set up to offer Gwyneth Paltrow in a role? In the, in that film? Let's say, like, let's say we get that movie. We get, we get Black Widow. We get our female Avengers team. We get Black Widow. We get Gamora. Um, we get, uh, Valkyrie. And then we got Gwyneth Paltrow on the team. Is it possible? Yeah, I kind of like it as her being kind of like the surrogate mother of the, uh, all-female Avengers team or superheroes team, however it's going to be put. Yeah. I think it's possible. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't, I'm, I don't even know if I believe it myself. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, possible is all I'm giving it. Yeah. More than 0% again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, man, if they're throwing, if they're, if they're putting fucking DC Comics commercials on TV, then we might, we might see Gwyneth Paltrow as a superhero. DC Comics on TV, fucking Venom movie might be good. Fucking, yeah. Cats and dogs getting along at that point. What the hell's going on? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, Jake quoting Ghostbusters. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the Russo brothers teased us that somewhere in the, uh, Civil War, uh, film, there's a piece of tech that plays a decent part in Avengers 4. So now, I think this is cool. James Gunn is saying that there is still an undiscovered Easter egg in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Did you guys hear about this? <laughs> James Gunn what? is such a troll with this stuff. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was asked, he was asked outright by a Twitter fan, is there a, he was doing a Q&A on Twitter, is there a secret Easter egg no one has found yet in Volume 2? To which James Gunn replied, yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, of course, of course he did. That's a question you can never say no to. Uh, he'll just make something up that wasn't even intentionally the Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still? Uh, did we find out what the killer part one Easter egg was? What? I'm sorry, uh, you lost me. What? The part one. The, yeah, he's hinted for. I, I remind me, refresh my memory. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. What what am, what, are you, what are we talking about? He always said that there was that one Easter egg that no one had ever seen. Is that still a mystery too? I have no clue, dude. Okay, don't you even, don't know what I'm talking about. I don't, even, I don't even remember nope, it. No man. idea. Sorry. Okay, he's always hinted that there was an Easter egg that was actually of some major importance that still no one had spotted from uh, the first movie. I don't remember. Yeah, it's not, it kind of rings a bell, but I don't. I don't remember that. So. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to talk about it like it was something you knew. No, no, you're fine. I was just trying to, like, we just talked about one in part two, and now you're like, hey, what about that one in part one? I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what made me bring it up, though. It's a natural oh. thing. Like, here he is again saying there's this thing that no one's seen yet, just yeah. like last time, you know? Yeah, fuck you, James Gunn. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe somebody did figure it out. I, I have no clue. Um, it probably has something to do with the fucking quantum realm, right? Yeah, who knows? It's probably it's the quantum realm that you know that we got introduced to in the Ant Man movie. It's probably, probably when you know when Yondu was flying through space, tripping LSD. They probably flew through the quantum realm and you know zipped their way out of it. For all we know, like I don't know. Yeah, oh, here it is, right here. This is from uh, 
Screen Crush. Uh, somewhere out there, there's an Easter egg so obscure that no one has found it. James Gunn himself has offered up a $100,000 bounty to anyone who could find it. So far, at least according to Gunn, no one has found this thing. And the second Guardians arrived earlier this summer, bringing renewed focus on the hidden egg, and still no one has located it. Hmm. It's Ready Player One all over again. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. It says there's wild theories about this Easter egg, including one that thought it found a secret code buried in the film's intergalactic title cards. Hmm. So there's just all different kinds of theories. And apparently once Gunn hears the correct theory, he's going to give that fan $100,000. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Get looking. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, like, so. what, what are you considering an Easter egg? Because, like, you know, I would consider, like, um, you know, like the Milano being, like, named after Alyssa Milano. Like, if you figure that out, like, that's an Easter egg. You know what I mean? So, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's some connection to something else. It doesn't even have to be of major importance to the MCU. It could, sure. you're, you're absolutely correct, Brian. It could right. just be some reference to some pop culture thing yeah. that no one's noticed yet. Like, oh my God, did, uh, in the collector's, you know, museum, like there was a Smurf, you know, like nobody, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, there's, exactly. Br- didn't you see brainy Smurf in that one chamber? You know, it's like, so I don't know, but that's what, that's what it reminded me of. As soon as you brought up him saying yes to there's okay, an Easter egg, I, no one's seen yeah. it too. I'm like, damn it. Is he, has he paid out this guy yet? I just, sorry. Ed, but, Ed, I, you don't need to apologize. I just had no idea what you were talking about because I did not remember it. So no, it's a crazy story. And yeah. the fact that he's offered up the money, like it just, he's yeah. just sitting back, slapping his knees, cracking up at this kind of thing at yeah. this point. Yeah. He is a troll then. Uh, he is. Uh, he's doing this on purpose just to drive people crazy. So, um, it looks like Chris Hemsworth is looking to take some time off from acting after Avengers 4 filming. Here's what he said to the Times UK. I want to be able to, to take the kid, uh, take the kids to school. I may even be off all year. It all happened at once and I've thought about it and gone, God, am I trying to do too much at once? There's no regret by any means. It just comes out of wanting to be at home more. I want to be there more. My wife and I were talking the other day about how the years are flying by. Our daughter is five and a half and the boys, uh, his twin boys are three and a half. And however much time you do have together, it never seems like enough. It's always exhausting. Even when we have help with grandparents or a nanny. Um, so I, I, I think that this is a good thing for him on a personal level. So I agree that those are huge years for his kids, and yeah. I, I don't blame him, man. Get there and be there for those, you know, big years. Doesn't mean he's retired from like even from Marvel because I, him and Taika Waititi, they have discussed plans already for a Thor four. So I mean, these talks have happened. Like we don't know if that's Feige, what Feige wants to do. If we're going to get Hemsworth to come back and play the Thor role, but. We know that discussions have happened between Tyka and, and, and Hemsworth. So, yeah, no need to hit the panic alarm. I mean, he's already got two movies in the can, yeah, and he could take quite a lot of time off before even needing to actually be on set for anything. Anyway, did you guys hear that Thor Ragnarok leaked a month early through iTunes? No, that's amazing. I wish I would have got it. Someone who got the film early said this on social media: "I pre-ordered Thor Ragnarok on Vudu yesterday, and it links." It to my iTunes also, but curiously, it showed up in my iTunes library this morning. Pre-orders shouldn't. 
and now I can watch the full movie in HD. I obviously downloaded it right away. I know it's supposed to come out February 20th. So iTunes fucked up and released it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm pre-ordering it right now. Well, I don't know if you can watch it right now. I, they, they probably fixed it since then, but this Damn this it. this guy was able to – he pre-ordered it through Voodoo and then it showed up and it linked to his iTunes and he downloaded it and he's able to watch the full movie. So, Wow. Yeah, good for you. Oh, man, that, that should mean the whole thing should be illegally streaming soon too. Then you would think. Oh yeah, there's places you can watch it now anyway. But um, also, someone posted uh, a pic of ver- of what very well could be a legit spoiler for Infinity War. Um, it's a picture. It's a Funko Pop figure of Thor holding what looks like is an axe like weapon. So this could be a custom made Funko Pop, but it looks legit. And the weapon could be Yarnborn. The only thing that we do know for certain is that Funko Pops are fucking stupid. So <laughs> yeah. they always spoil things too. I, I they, do. they do. They do. <laughs> they do spoil things. They spoiled the um, uh, the, the 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 Thor film with the. Uh, 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 the last one with um, yeah, Sol- with Surter's head. Surter's head when he's holding Surter's head. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, between Funko Pop and Lego, you pretty much break down the yep. whole movie. Yeah, exactly. Civil War was was uh, Giant Man was spoiled by the Lego. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it looks like the weapon could be Yarnborn from uh, from the comics as well. It it, it looked the the figure looked legit and it looked like it definitely looked like an axe and. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it'll be interesting. Do you think that? Do you think that uh, fucking is it Peter Dinklage? He's gonna be. He he's gonna forge that. I don't know. That would make sense. I don't think that's 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 a pretty solid theory. Yeah, well, he yeah. was rumored to be like the dwarven yeah. blacksmith, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Thor's got to have like a new weapon. Surely, I mean, I know he's you know the god of thunder and everything and the god of lightning, right. but. He's got to have something to beat the shit out of people with. How is he going to fly, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I could see him, like, out of habit, like, swinging it and then, like, going nowhere and everyone laughing yeah. at him. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> that sounds something like Taika Waititi would actually write into oh, yeah. Thor for, for definite. Dan, I, I got to own this movie now, man. I got to own Thor fucking Ragnarok now. I want to see that beginning scene, that battle with like fucking uh, Immigrant Song. I love yeah. it. It's so good. That's no, awesome. You, you know how excited I got when I was just talking about it last yeah. time. Oh, it's I know. Just, it's all those scenes. It's just like yeah. it's all those goddamn scenes. And like the Rainbow Bridge where he doesn't have the weapon and he's just bringing down lightning and just blowing motherfuckers up. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's when- so much fun. And what you brought up, I also brought up in my review, is like the the POV shot of Mjolnir flying. Yeah, I know. Fucking – wh- why did it take four, five, six <laughs> movies for them to figure that out, man? <laughs> no idea, but oh. fucking hell, was it worth the wait? Definitely. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I could watch a whole fucking like five-minute short film of like, The Adventures of Mjolnir. Like, you know, like yeah. – Hey Jake, do you remember like the beginning of like like the the David Letterman you know the Late Show when like they would just show like the person like walking through the doors through the set? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would love actually. I'd like the or like what is it Car Fifty Four or the Naked Gun? I would love to see like a Naked Gun Mjolnir. <laughs> 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 
just going all around the town. Yes. People reacting to it. It's fine. I was thinking like a like a corn freak on a leash video with the bullet going through all the walls. Oh yeah. So it would too. just be like calling the hammer and we just follow the hammer, like going through all these people's apartments, through the fucking shopping center, just uh-huh. blowing all the milk everywhere. Oh god uh, uh running alongside Ferris Bueller as he's cutting through people's backyards. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Let's move into let's move into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, RevengeOfTheFans.com is saying that Superman is going to show up in the Shazam film. Uh, this is what they said. I can exclusively reveal to you that the next time you'll see Cavill's Superman on the big screen is April 5th, 2019. Why? Because that's when Shazam arrives in theaters. Yes, folks, I've been told by a trusted source that Cavill is set to appear in Shazam. This decision comes after a bunch of internal discussions about where to place him next. Since a sequel is still a ways off, Dwayne Johnson is adamant about Cavill appearing in his Black Adam film, but for the long, for for the time being, that film I'm told is far from getting off the ground because of Johnson's hectic schedule. Um, Warner Brothers doesn't want to wait that long since they're still aware that the mainstream response to Superman and Justice League was a favorable one. Um, even the most negatively, the mostly negative reviews uh, the film garnered took the time to single out that the portrayal of Superman in the film is one of its saving graces. That's very subjective. Anyway, um, so rather than wait for Untitled Superman sequel or Black Adam, they've agreed to have him appear in Shazam to keep him alive in the minds of the general public. Cavill even lightheartedly teased it back in September. I don't know what that tease was, and I didn't go to look to find out. But apparently, I, I guess maybe, what, what are they wanting to do here? They're going to want to show shazam what a what a hero looks like i I don't know or that's the best idea i've heard yet honestly because the whole thing seems forced and stupid to me it's like superman the most iconic character ever Mm. we'll be able to remember his existence in between this movie and that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm not saying like I'm for this. No, I know you're not saying. I know. That, that's the, I know. That's the mentality. Of I know. Hollywood that's what the people. article says. I, I honestly thought, like, why can't it just be a Shazam film? Like, and why can't we just, yes. like, yeah, like, why can't it just be the story of this young boy, Billy Batson? You know, why can't you just have faith in like the actor that you've that you've got in this role um, to play this role? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, why? It, you think that they would have learned, Jake, by trying to cram everything together and make everything so connected. The fact that Wonder Woman, the reason that it was so well is because it felt like it was so disconnected from everything else. Yeah, I mean, if this is if it's just as simple as Billy seeing soups on the TV, then I guess I'm fine with that. Yeah. But anything more than that. And it's like, come on, let this thing stand on its own two feet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I I have a feeling like it'll be something like where you know Billy Batson knows who Superman is and like gets to meet his hero and blah blah blah. I don't know though. We'll see. I don't know. I I just think yeah, keep it separate. Just make a great movie. You've got a chance where you can basically take you can mix Superman with the movie Big, the Tom Hanks movie, and you got a chance to do something really special here. You know, you've got a you've got a young boy who that when he says the word Shazam turns into a full grown man 
with superpowers, basically turns into Superman. And th- this is this could be a really fucking fun movie. So don't fuck it up by just trying to shoehorn in other bullshit. <laughs> It, that's what yeah. it, that's what it sounds like though jake like 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 like, like they, they get they feel like they've gotten like the response that people really love the portrayal of superman in the justice league so they want to keep that they want to get they want to put it out they want to put him out there one more time to make sure that people still like that portrayal right <laughs> yeah it's the dumbest shit i've ever fucking heard i'm not surprised though it's ridiculous okay uh they yeah just go ahead stop just they just have to stop I'm just, I'm just, I don't know why they would even think about doing that. There's no need. You know, like, if anything, they should have taken from the, the negative reviews for Justice League that putting too many characters into a movie without setting them up mm-hmm. is gonna, is gonna cheapen them. And having, them, them thinking they have to have Superman in a Shazam film is just fucking dumb. We don't need it. Mm-mm. Why are they doing it? No, just make a really good Shazam film, right? Yeah, yeah. The character stands. The character stands on his own mm-hmm. like, easily, like you're saying, man. Like just, oh, oh my god! Can you how imagine fun that movie could be? The, the trailer, the trailer for that movie could be amazing. Like you show like a kid in his bedroom and his mom's calling him down, and he's like. A two hundred pound man walking down the stairs, you know, yeah. not realizing, or you know, and he's and he's still wearing like the the, the clothes that he had worn, you know, like the pajamas that have been ripped yeah. through, you know, some funny shit like that, man. I don't know, just ridiculous. I don't know, just come on, you, you, it's a great story. Just give us a great movie, and you don't have to force feed us uh, this new. Uh, Superman that everyone's come to love after Justice League. If, oh, if, if, if they love them in Justice League so fucking much, they can be around to love them for the Superman sequel, which is what I want to talk about next. Uh, a Twitter fan, um, a Twitter fan of Stephen Denight asked him a question here. They, Stephen S. Denight, he was the showrunner for the uh, first season of Daredevil. He's the new director for Pacific Rim Uprising. They asked him if he would like to take a stab at Man of Steel 2, to which he replied, up, up, and away. So basically, now media outlets are – they are so fucking hurt for news that <laughs> they will just post anything. They're saying Stephen Des- Denight is interested in Man of Steel. I am getting really sick of these non-fucking stories that, that – Oh, yeah. You know, like they'll ask like – a question uh, to somebody like, "Hey, if you could direct a- any you know superhero movie, what would it be?" And they'd be like, "Oh, I really like this character." And <laughs> you know, like, you know, and then the next thing you fucking read is like, "Hey, so and so wants to direct this movie," and it's like, "That's no." They were asked like hypothetically, like, "Why are you fucking making up bullshit?" And so, like, this week I read, I read, Kevin Smith was talking to Reed Morano, the director for the Handmaid's Tale move, uh, the Handmaid's Tale TV show on Hulu. And Kevin Smith asked her about the Lucasfilm meeting with Kathleen Kennedy. And Peter Dinklage happened to be around and he said something like, oh, I, like, I want to part in the Star Wars. You know, I want to part in Star Wars. And so, like, all of a sudden, like, News articles, like news outlets are reporting, Peter Dinklage wants a Star Wars role. Like, who would he, you know? Oh, and I'm just like, come on, just fucking slow down. So, I don't know. I, 
I, I just wanted to kind of bitch a little bit about. <laughs> about I, I hate articles like that. Yeah, uh, we got nothing. He said one right. blurb in one interview about yeah. he, he would. Of, of course he right. would. Of course Stephen. Yeah, you I'm, can make that story up and it's I'm, still true. Yeah, I'm sick of these non-stories. I'm so fucking sick of them, and I'm seeing more and more of them. So I just wish. I, They'd kind of chill on this shit. I, I know news is slow right now, guys, but just don't go making shit up. Anyway, let's move on to the Star Wars news. He got What's Amisa saying? He was supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. All right, we were just talking about uh, Kathleen Kennedy meeting with uh, Reed Morano, the uh, Handmaid's Tale director, and we were all wanting to know like what, what what it was for and if it's Star Wars. Well, IMDb they talked to her, and this is um, what she said when she was asked about this. No, I'm not doing Star Wars. We stop adding fuel to the rumors. It's just a meeting, and that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say. Wow. Wow. So, so. Is she directing Willow too? <laughs> Ooh, that's lucrative. I man, I, I part of me just wants to see Ron Howard come back and do it, right? You know, I don't know. I I want to see Warwick Davis. I want to see that character again, man. I want to see him. I want to see him as Willow, man. I do. I want to. I want a fucking Willow too. I really do. I I want Willow too, too. Yeah. I love Willow. Same. Yeah. Same. So I don't. I don't Peck. know. I don't know what she met up with uh with them about, but I don't know why I don't know why she's gotta be a bitch about it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she's not interested in talking about it. Wow. Somebody caught Reed at the wrong time, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeez, Reed. <laughs> she was kind of mean there, you know. Yeah, no. I honestly thought at first it was one of those things where you made up the quote. No, it was no. so ridiculous. No. no, I know, I know now. She but at did. first, I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious." Jeez, I don't know. I Reed, come on, you, you got to understand. She can read. You got to understand this. Hold on, Reed. When you meet with Lucasfilm, all right, people are going to wonder. I mean, you have a meeting with Kathleen Kennedy. People are gonna wonder. I, I, I don't think that, uh, like, what, they gotta be talking about something. They did, they just didn't have some fucking bullshit taster's choice moment where they're talking about, who was that waiter? Oh, Jean Luc? <laughs> no! They're fucking, <laughs> they're talking about, they're talking about who, uh, what, what, what she's gonna be doing for them, you know? So, I, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it, yeah, I agree. Or not doing for them. Yeah. With that kind of attitude. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez, Reed. <laughs> Jeez, fucking rag and read. I'm telling you. Yeah, I said it. Whatever. So she sounded like. Sorry, she did. She did. You gotta expect it. You gotta expect that read. You gotta expect it. Anyway, uh, this is from Screen Rant, and it has to deal with um, the Star Wars: The Last Jedi novelization coming out in March. And this is all I got for this episode. We're done. Um, on the latest episode of the Star Wars show, there's a segment dedicated to teasing the book version of Episode 8, which will be available on March 6, 2018. Johnson described his meeting with Fry at Skywalker Ranch, where the two conceived all new sequences specifically for the text. Chief among these were Han Solo's funeral. 
as well as a moment of Sisters Rose, Rose and Paige Tico together and more exploration of Canto by it. The novel also reinstates film uh, scenes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the novel also reinstates film scenes that were left on the cutting room floor, including Luke Skywalker's third and most painful lesson for, for Ray. Johnson had already mentioned these will be featured on the Blu-ray. So getting a Han Solo funeral scene in the novelization. Um, I mean, we had actually heard that they were possibly filming this. And then we found out that that was actually um, the Dubrovnik location that was being used for the Canto Bite scene. So, and what we thought were like people dressed for his funeral were actually the Canto Bite police. So, um, but now we're actually going to get uh, a Han Solo funeral scene in the novelization. Um, I don't know, man. Oh, I, I'm, I'm super hyped for this novelization. Y- I, don't get me wrong. I did not want to see the funeral scene in the movie. But I do want to read about it in the novelization, if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. So I'm I can't wait. Think of the juicy stuff we got from the episode 7 novelization. I can't wait yes. to pick some stuff out of this episode 8 one. Yeah, exactly. I I, I agree. I agree. So, the, all the Snoke inside of Ray's head stuff mm-hmm. from the 7 book. Yep. And, oh, man, I can't wait to see what, what's going on in here. I know. I can't either. Especially, I want to know, I want to know, like, more of, like, what Kylo's thinking, you know? Like in Snoke's <sighs> like the like spe- specifically like the Snoke's throne room scene. Like I want to, yeah. I, if I could get like that inner Kylo dialogue, like what's going on in his head, I would love to know. So, Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be good. I'm gonna be like, that's gonna be what March sixth. March sixth. Yeah. 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 I was awesome. I was glued to my Audible <laughs> subscription that day. I was just like listening. Um, for like, I think it was like two or three days that I, I listened to that and just knocked it out, the uh, episode seven. And it was fantastic. Yeah. They had the additional scene that showed how Poe, um, once, yeah, when Poe and Finn were separated after they crashed on Jakku, um, it, it went into like the additional scene and the novelization of like Poe actually met up with another like alien creature that helped him get off of Jakku and, and it was kind of a kind of a cool scene that that never made it into the film. So yeah, and once you see the movie, you can go ahead and show that. Yeah. There's no drama as to whether right. or not Poe's alive or dead. And then uh, there was the Chewbacca ripping off the arm of uh, what's his fucking face, Ankar Plutt. You know? Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool. Uh, Ankar, I love Ankar Plutt. One of my favorite <laughs> D characters in the first movie. I love Ankar Plutt too. <laughs> one quarter portion More. I, I just, dude i would just i would love like a pawn stars type show with uncle plot plot space trade you know and dude it just like to the point where like i'm like trying to guess like you know how many fucking like portions he's gonna give for a power converter you know oh snap not even a half a portion <laughs> Dude, they could kind of like make it like an antiques roadshow type of show where like they're showing off like they're aging certain like things and like talking about it. And like Ankar Plutt's actually telling you like, oh, okay, this doesn't have this on it. So it's actually a fake. (laughs) He's like, I don't even I'm not even going to offer you a portion for this. Oh, zero portions. (laughs) Zero portions. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, I want Uncar Plut merch. Where's my Uncar Plut sideshow collection? Oh dude, and then they introduce this like you know, kind of like like uh Rick from uh Pawn Stars, like he's got his whole family involved. Like we could have like the whole Plut family involved <laughs> in this show. <laughs> yeah, you know Plut's got that brother that's like a good for nothing that yeah. just sponges off the business and yeah. doesn't know anything. <laughs> You oh, bought man. what? For how many portions? Dude, and then like fucking guest appearance by Watto. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. That's sweeps week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. That's all I got, guys. Oh, man. That's good stuff. That's good this, shit. I really enjoyed this Uncar Plut talk. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm working on the pilot, man. I'm, <laughs> Oh, Sending yeah. that script in. Yeah, yeah. Fucking dude, can you imagine if Disney if Disney fucking streaming service made that into a show, I would watch every week. Well, I would yeah. watch it. Like, I'm telling you, if you if you were gonna make a Star Wars yes, reality series, yes. I think you just figured it out. One hundred percent fictional, but like one hundred percent fun as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, like like just bringing up like just crazy mythology of Star Wars and just bringing all the, these different artifacts and things that they could just say anything about you know i love it I, I think it'd be so much fun and then he could just put any portion price on it i, <laughs> <laughs> I could see the graphics at the bottom popping up with the portion as he announces yes. them <laughs> yes yeah and then like oh we could have like we could have like kind of like a, like a narrator too and be like oh it looks like ray's gonna go hungry tonight <laughs> no, no oh portions is ray about to barter with Uncar blood <laughs> We could have an episode where they're going to have Constable Zuvio on. (laughs) But Jake, hold on. There's a tornado warning, so it cuts out as soon as he's going to come on screen. <laughs> like, wow, it was sure nice to finally meet Constable Z. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're now back we're now back to our regular scheduled program. Like they even have like the like the like the the Star Wars meteorologist come in and talk about the storm coming in and <laughs> <laughs> and then they See come a bunch back of sand blowing all over the and place. And they're just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they come back uh to our regularly scheduled program already in progress and like Cosmo Zuvio's left." <laughs> oh my god, that was what an amazing time. I learned so much about so much in such a little time. What an amazing guest that we had on. Thank you, Constable. That's great. So uh, so many so many gaps that we didn't know about episode <laughs> 7. We yeah. just learned. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knew where the Knights of Ren were. Yes. He talked about Snoke's whole backstory. <laughs> he said Ray's parents were actually actually had a lot of important stuff going yes. on before they died. Yes. Constable Zubio is just a wealth of knowledge, man. He's he he is a Star Wars historian, so <laughs> fucking Constable Zubio, that'll never die. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I've got a goddamn Constable Zuvio action figure. Me too. They, they, well, they, <laughs> Jake, Jake, they made a Constable Zuvio Black Series figure. <laughs> I want to know the history, man. I want that documentary. Yeah, why aren't people pissing, pissing and moaning to JJ about Constable Zuvio? It's all about Snoke. No, I, where's, gonna... where's my Constable Zuvio story? 
Uh, I'm going to start tweeting JJ daily about Constable. <laughs> now that you're back for episode nine, I want answers. <laughs> Jake demands satisfaction when it comes to Zuvio. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Zuvio. Bring back. He was never even there. <laughs> Jake, Jake just caught what he said. <laughs> uh, in my head, I saw him for a minute on that Uncar Plut trailer. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, shit. All right, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> that's oh, okay. All right. Thanks for having me, old guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, uh... Everybody, uh, check out Jake. You got a wrestling podcast, right? You still doing yeah, that? I do, thing? I do. Yeah. Oh, let me catch my breath so I can plug my shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wrestling Jabronis. Tomorrow's the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite pay per view of the year. I'm super pumped for it. We'll be talking about it on Wednesday. Episode will be out on Thursday. Wrestling Jabronis, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. Yep. Subscribe. You get you get more Jake. All right. So. <laughs> Uncar Plut gives it a half a point. <laughs> <laughs> It should be like the new iTunes rating system. It should be like (laughs) four and a half. (laughs) It was a blast. Oh god! Oh god! Had a blast. Four portions. Oh fuck! Uh, all right, guys, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for listening, and thanks for your patience. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying "I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap." Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it, good it take it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers the band that's singing that is pop culture leftovers podcasts that are original and good have already been done before so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap even though we're the shit we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it's a trap good and toss it good and take it do we love it hey let's fix it can't erase it like 
place it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.